Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. Hi everyone, my name is C, I use they them pronouns, and I play Oka Hien, Asamar blood hunter and monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Noct Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include memory erasure, flirting, romance, references to sexual entanglement, blood and bloodletting, familial trauma, heights, falling, fantasy violence, and gore. Arc 4, Episode 8 Blood Poisoned and Lockjawed From I Want a Large Life by M. Robin Cook The proud, spiraling eaves of the Dream Prophet's pagoda glimmer like gold under the hot sun of Galtanger. Pollen dapples the heat-stained windows of the tower, and the tall, knotted spire on the eighth roof shimmers in the heat. A hawthorn tree stands at the base of this tower, its branches bristling with red fruit, its bark glistening with syrup. A sweet breeze sweeps through the slumbering palace, the smell of summer rippling in its wake. A young half-drow loiters in the shade of this hawthorn tree, tossing a pebble between their hands. Their dark hair is schooled into a long, languid braid down their back. Their face is sharp, handsome, with fierce blue eyes that sport two pupils each. Prince Makoya Hien, second born to the emperor of the kingdom of Tsulong, cocks their arm back with precise aim and tosses the pebble at the window of the eighth floor of the pagoda. The rock sings against the glass, then bounces off the roof and onto the ground. And not a moment later, the window flies open. I think birds take flight from the tree to reveal an annoyed-looking white tiefling with pink eyes. 
Halo, dream-touched, the prophet in training of the slumbering palace, glares down at the smirking prince. And she admonishes them with a few quick words, but the clever prince knows better. Halo and Makoya banter for a few breaths before the dream prophet rolls her eyes, sighs, hitches up her skirts, and starts making her way down the pagoda for a stolen day of summer fun. And now... Eight years later, the sun is gone. The sky is wan, darkened by clouds of burgeoning winter nipping at the heels of fall. The dream prophet's pagoda looks dull and gray in the translucent light. Leaves mottle its eight roofs, obscuring the glazed ceramic under layers and layers of dying autumn. The final vestiges of fall linger on the hawthorn tree. We see golden leaves rustling in a chill breeze, roots smeared with the red husks of berries. Okahien, you stand at the tree's base eight years older with scars to show for it. The glowering stares of every royal maiden, every palace guard, every petty noble sears holes in the back of your tattered armor. You, are the pariah of the palace, the black sheep of your blue-blooded family, the prodigal child returned to wreak havoc. But even as everyone glares at you, your gaze is fixed not on them, not even on the pagoda, but on an odd pairing in the middle of Halo's courtyard. A blue-skinned half-orc servant peels away from the wedding effort to tail consort Liu Bai Shi the halfling eighth wife of the emperor, your mother-father. Odd. Woodcreeks. A set of hidden doors to the side of the pagoda swings open, and Halo pokes her head out, her large connected horns swiveling from left to right, silver jewelry clinking. Seeing no danger, no eyes upon her, the dream prophet closes the door behind her and hustles over to where you stand by the hawthorn tree. Eight years older, Halo has grown into a fuller version of herself. Her face has matured, some of the baby fat worn away by years of delving into the guts of other people's nightmares. She holds herself with confidence and poise. She's adorned with jewels and bangles and silks. She punches you in the arm. Oka, what is it? You have your own investigations to carry out, and I have a wedding to prepare for. Uh, yeah, no, I know. L look, look. That's weird, right? Where are they going? Where do you think they're going? Where's who going? What, the servants? <sighs> That's an elephant, Oka. There are plenty no, of no, those no, no, in No, 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 behind the elephant, Halo. I wouldn't, why would I be talking about an elephant? What, the giraffes? Or perhaps the rhinoceri? No, the eighth wife. You by sure. Where is she going? Oh. I suppose that is Consort Liu. She's so small and wiggles around like a fish in a stream. Where is she going? Well, it looks like she's headed in the direction of her courtyard, Oka, where she lives. Why was she in your courtyard? Come on, let's go. Let's follow her. Do you grab her wrist and pull her along? Oh, absolutely I do. Yes. Uh, Oka, like, just kind of, like, grabs her around the wrist and is already kind of, like, ducking through the, like, the gardens, you know? And is just, like, pulling her along. Okay, make a general stealth check for me. See how well you disguise yourself? 18. Not bad. That's pretty sufficient. Uh, as you pull Halo through her own courtyard, ducking around like 
animals and, you know, like floats being constructed of, you know, flower garlands wrought together in these beautiful adornments, uh, stages being set up. It seems like tablecloths being brought out, etc. People are pretty busy preparing for Halo and Prince Mu's wedding. Uh, and they don't, and your 18 is more than sufficient to pass muster. No one even spares you a side glance. I have also definitely snuck through the gardens of this courtyard before when I was not supposed to be here. Exactly. And that was before there was like a wedding in preparation. So this is like, this is child's play for you. As you lead Halo between like, let's say there's maybe like a montage where like there are guards looking around and you like stop behind like a manicured topiary, you know, like it, that's like perfectly shaped to hide the two of you. The guard passes and you pull Halo past, etc. Halo goes, ah, Oka, wh- you, what is this? Where are we going? Come on, we're just, we're doing an investigation, remember? Besides, you're not actually doing any of the planning. And what are you going to do? Look at the elephants? Think about their dreams? Well, I... Uh, she actually makes a kind of flustered, annoyed noise, which implies that maybe she was going to try to read the dreams of the animals here. Uh, she does not dignify your question with a response, though. As she stumbles along... Oh, God, this isn't proper. I'm the dream prophet now. I'm just... I'm not just a prophet in training. I, I have appearances I have to keep up. Oka uh, wrenches both of them down, I think, into like a bush as another like set of like dignitaries walk by. Yeah, that's why we're hiding, Halo. <sighs> okay, fine. But what do you mean your investigations? You don't, you don't think the eighth wife could possibly be? <laughs> are we supposed to cross everyone off our list just because we don't think they are supposed to be? She's clever, crafty. She's been talking to Manaya a lot, and I don't know why. We should go look. Uh, Halo's face darkens at that, and like a, a note of seriousness falls over her features, and she nods. Okay, okay, fine, I'll, I'll play along, I suppose, but <clears throat> you've gotten stronger? Uh, as she like pulls herself up out of the bush and like plucks, I think, like a ivy strand out of her beautiful, like long white hair. What? Get back down! And Oka like pulls <laughs> her back down. Come on, we have to crawl. And Oka starts like crawling forward through. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make your ex-fiance, who's very much like a pillow princess, crawl on her hands and knees through the muck and the dirt? Yes, uh, and I think they sneak like out of the courtyard. Oka's still like trying to follow the two of them. Where where are they headed once we're a little bit farther away? They do seem to be headed toward the eighth wife's courtyard. Specifically, let's say there's like a montage moment as like you sneak, crawl on your hands and knees. Halo just goes, this this is ridiculous. Uh, as she stands up to her full height and she snaps a finger and you feel the weave tighten around the two of you as she casts Pass Without Trace <laughs> and refuses to army crawl her way through the palace and like grabs you by like the nape of your like the back of your armor and pulls you up as well. I, uh, uh why don't you just do that before? I, <clears throat> a proper dream prophet only uses her magic when provoked and when absolutely necessary, Oka. Which is why I'm constantly provoking you. <clears throat> uh, she strides past you and stomps a little on your foot with like a surprising force. Though she's so soft and delicate, I think she's kind of like Winry from Full Metal Alchemist, where she can fully just chuck a wrench at your face and make you start like spurting blood. Uh, so uh, you follow Halo and Halo follows you and the two of you follow the eighth wife and this blue half-orc servant 
to the Eighth Wife's quarters, specifically to it appears like her inner courtyard, right? You have to scale several low walls, like dodge past her guards a little bit, like a sidle into bushes, and then you creep up on like a wall uh, of her, it appears like her, her bedroom quarters uh, with like this like latticed window that like allows you to sort of peer inside. There's like a set of like these, let's say hydrangea bushes right underneath the window that the two of you like sidle into as you wait for the Eighth Wife and the, and the orc to enter. So I get the feeling that the Eighth Wife isn't, well, is she working on your setup or is she just taking servants out of your quarters to bring to her bedroom? She's not supposed to be... Wait a second. And uh, Halo turns back on to you. That's why you brought me here, isn't it, you vagrant? This isn't about the investigation at all. This is about some sort of perverted... Perverse, some sort of... of uh, Halo, what are you talking about? You voyeur! What? Halo, Halo we're not... He, what's that, uh, Halo, this is... We're talking about an assassination. Is this, is this your way of, of, of telling me that, that what? You, you still... I still, even though eight years, there's feelings? What? 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 I don't mean to be arrogant or to presume my own importance in the order of the universe, Oka, but I mean, bringing me here, throwing rocks at my window again like we used to, trying to take me on this little adventure. I'm not a fool, Oka. Why are you doing this, really? <laughs> Why do you think, Halo? You're my best friend. You're my best friend. You're my... Sometimes I feel like you're my only friend. Still... And I, I don't care. I don't care if you want to have a tacky wedding. I don't care if you want to get married to Prince Moa. I don't care if we're not supposed to be together because of the river of fate or whatever the fuck. Halo, you're my best friend. I just care that you're happy. Are you happy up there reading the dreams of elephants and getting married to an asshole? Yeah. You're not supposed to call the firstborn an- An asshole! <clears throat> well, what, what am I supposed to do, Oka? What am I supposed to do in this situation? You were gone and there was no one else and it's proper. It's the proper way of things for me to be wed to him. So? <laughs> Is this the proper thing to be doing right now today? Sitting in this hydrangea bush? It doesn't matter. Do you... Do you love him? There's like a long silence as Halo looks at you, like her, her lip quivering with an answer that she can't give. And in that moment, even though she doesn't say anything, right? Her like face like drawn very tight around the, around the edges of her expression. You get the feeling you know what the answer is. Halo, you don't have to do this. You don't have to play whatever role that they set out for you. You're the dream prophet. You can do whatever you want. I... Oka, I... <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to get so flustered, my dear. And you hear the eighth wife's voice sort of booming through the interior of the building you're leaned up against as she strides in into the bedroom. Uh, and Halo like quickly grabs you, like pulls you back down, right? So you're not just like standing in, in the window of her bedroom. Uh, and the two of you sort of like slowly peek up and like over and through the wood lattice window. And the two of you see 
this halfling woman, the eighth wife, stride in, sort of sauntering side to side. I think she's got like a very like almost like waddling, confident, like duck-like walk almost. Um, and following her is this blue-skinned half-orc servant in very humble rags. So they have like a surprisingly beautiful face and this like mop of like curly golden hair on top of their head, uh, shaved on the sides. They sort of pause at the foot of the bed. Uh, and the eighth wife turns, right, like her back to the bed and like is like sort of taking the servant in. Oh my, you really are so <clears throat> scrumptious. Look at you. And, uh, where did you say you grew up? Uh, and the half-orc goes, uh, outskirts of Dokao, ma'am, farmhand. Ooh, farmhand. Ooh, I can tell. She, like, squeezes their bicep, right? Uh, the half worker sort of stands there, Oka, with kind of an ineffable expression on their face. They don't look uncomfortable, necessarily, but they also aren't, like, actively egging her on. They're just sort of standing there and, like, looking at her, uh, like a cat might look at a mouse. Uh, and the eighth wife stops in front of the half work, like, having, like, squeezed her way around their muscles all the way back to the front again. Go ahead, Oka. Uh, I think as as this is going on, Oka turns to Halo and is like, I'm sorry, I, I kind of thought that maybe this was going to be like an assassination thing. I really didn't think that they were actually just coming in here to bone. I'm sorry. We can go. Oka, you are so... And then the two of you are interrupted again by like the conversation starting up. You quiet yourselves and peek back over the lattice. So, I suppose you know why I called you in here. <laughs> Ma'am... Though flattered as I am by the proposition, I really must get back to my... Don't play dumb with me. I've been watching you for a while now, sweet little thing. Uh, and the eighth wife walks forward and, like, grabs uh, the half-orc by the chin with a thumb and index finger and, like, forces it up, forces it down to look at her because she's a halfling and shorter than, than them. Rumors abound that there is a spy in the walls of the palace though for which spouse and for what reasons I don't know. And at that, the half-orc stops talking and their face becomes, like, inscrutable. Like, any expression of, like, I have to get back to my job, like, just drops as they just have a completely blank expression. And the eighth wife goes on and says, Rumors go on to say that such a spy is so good at their job because they're not a half-orc exactly, but a changeling. And, like, she, like pauses on that final word and looks at the half-work. And there's like a beat. And then the half-work smiles. <laughs> ah, yes. Consort Liu, the rumor monger. I must say, I'm impressed, though it did take you longer to sniff me out than I thought it would. And the eighth wife sort of opens her mouth in surprise. And then the half-orc leans in and kisses her, grabs both sides of her face and kisses her. She goes, mm, mm, mm. Like, she's, like, surprised, but she's not necessarily resisting, you know? But she's like, what is happening? It's, like, a shock moment. Um, and you sort of feel Halo stiffen next to you, and, like, her tail shoots up in, like, a straight line. And, like, the puff on the top of her tail, like, uh, Oka grabs her tail and pulls it back down. <laughs> yeah, as he pulled down the tail, uh, roll Arcana. Yikes. Um, eight. You feel the weave tighten around you, 
emanating from the interior of this bedroom, but you don't know what kind of magic is being cast or who's casting it with your eight, but you know magic is, is happening as the half-orc kisses the eighth wife. And the eighth wife, you see her sort of go, mm -hmm. and she sort of like goes limp in the half-orc's grasp, and then the half-orc like releases her. And she sort of like stumbles against like the foot of the bed and looks like super disoriented. Uh, uh, what? Where am I? What was I? Mm, tapioca pudding. Uh, and the half-orc goes, I'm so sorry for troubling you, Consort Leo. I have to get back to my, to my duties. Mm, pudding. Uh, and she falls back onto the bed and starts snoring. And the half-orc turns and looks toward the window, make another stealth check with a plus 10 bonus from Halo's Pass Without Draith. Uh, wow, a 27. Yeah, you are able to duck under, like, just as the half-orc looks, and you're, maybe the two of you sort of, like, panting kind of shallowly, and then, like, both of you hear, like, footsteps recede out of the bedroom. Okay, important question. Is her heart still beating? I could probably hear it based on my magic. The eighth wife? Yeah, she's alive. She just seems to have been placed into, like, a slumber of sorts. Okay. Okay. Uh, Oka peeks back over, uh, and then they come back down. Did you see that? Fuck! Fuck! Wait, fuck! Wait, holy fuck! That's the spy. It has to be. Uh, we should follow, but if they're a changeling, they could be anyone right now. There's no way for us to know who or why. Did you feel the weave? Okay, did you feel the weed bend and, and squeeze around Consort Liu? What did they- what did they do? Memory magic. They must have erased the Consort's memory of them being the spy or a changeling. Good. Then nobody knows that we know. Then nobody knows that we know. Then they don't know that, that, that they don't know that we know. Halo, they don't, that's, that's good. I need to, I, <laughs> I need to get back. I, I need to go tell everyone else. We, we, we need to, we need to go find them. Yes, yes we do. And off of the two of you crouched in this bush, looking at each other with like urgency, poof, we're gonna smash cut to two different people looking at each other with a very different kind of urgency. V, 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 Nox Sherzo, my beloved chaotic bisexual disaster. You are inside your own bedroom in the guest quarters of the slumbering palace. And sat on the end of the bed is your girlfriend, Rev, a massive muscular drow woman with pale gray skin and hair that used to be long, dark like the ocean, but now completely short, shaved on the sides. She's crossing her big, taut arms over her chest and looking at you, I think. And I think, like, a period of silence has settled over the two of you for a little bit as you assume Manaya and Dewey are, like, in the other room trying to mind their own business and give the two of you some privacy. I think we need to have a talk. Oh, a talk. You want to talk, V? I wanted to talk last night. And then a couple of hours after last night, and then into this morning. And now it's past 8 a.m., and you want to talk now. Okay, let's talk. Well, you know, we never had the conversation what happens when you suddenly regain your memory and you're face-to-face -face with the love of your life who you were going to marry after the job that you lost your memory during. We've, to be fair, we've never had that conversation. To be fair. Okay, okay, okay. Look, I screwed up. I know that I screwed up, and I'm not here to try to justify or even 
I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I'm. I will be as honest and forthright as you want. How much do you want to know about last night? I don't want to say anything you don't want to hear about. I don't need to know anything about last night, V. I can assume, based on circumstance and the markings on your neck. V, like, adjusts her hair to, like, cover up her neck as much as possible. V, uh, I'm mad. Oka helped me realize that. I think it was pretty obvious, even without Oka's intervention. I'm mad at you. For one, not talking to me or coming after me. Uh, two, kissing Lotus while I was out of the room, uh, again, without talking with me or coming after me. And then, of course, I'm also mad at you for sleeping with Lotus without talking to me about what that could look like or what that necessarily means. But that's not even the main thing I'm hung up on, V. <laughs> what I have to know is, what are we? More specifically, what am I to you? To me, you have changed my life forever. I was so closed off to the possibility of ever loving anybody ever again. After what Seaver did to me, I... When we kissed outside your room, that was a really big deal because I was kissing you without any goal of trying to get something. I have not done that in a very, very long time. And I love you dearly. I also am in this strange position I never expected. That suddenly I remember this person that I love just as much. But it doesn't negate my love for you or how important you are for me. I... Look, we are going on an adventure to try to fix and make whole all of Ndake. That's not something you get to do every day with a partner. You know? And I feel like a little bit like maybe the situation with Lotus is, you know, we're going to be busy. We're not going to be here much longer. Maybe a few more weeks and then we're off to the next place and the next place and the next place. So I almost, like, in a way, it's like, we don't really have to even worry about this till after we've fixed everything. And then, you know, we can figure out how, what things look like. After is going to look very different, V. Even I don't know what the after would look like. But what matters to me is, is right now. The time that you and I have left right now in this state of the world and how things currently are, this fucked up post-apocalyptic cataclysm, I, V, here's how I feel. I had a night to sleep on it. Uka helped me process. I want to be the priority, V. I want to be the priority in your life in your romantic intimate relationships I I can't be second I can't just be another partner or another girlfriend I have to be I have to be the one you come home to and if that isn't what you want if that's not what works for you right now I need to know so 
When you say comes home to you every night, do you mean every night? <sighs> we can work out the specifics. I mean this more in terms of where you hold me in your heart, V. Of course. I, I, sorry. I, I make joke. I'm sorry. Uh, this is a difficult conversation for me, too. I'm not... You know me. I, I'm... This isn't easy for me. I tried for a very long time not to be attached, and this is why, but no matter how hard I try not to be attached, I'm attached to you. And I love you, and there was never a moment in the, this last 20, in this last day, that I didn't feel like I wanted to give you up for this. That, that thought never crossed my mind. I... I love you, and I do want you in my life, and I want you to definitely be the person that that we get through all of this with, you know? This world is so terrible to people sometimes that we've got to hold on to each other. I couldn't imagine this world now without you in it. <laughs> I can't really either, and I don't want to, V, but the point stands that whoever I'm with, I need to be their person, 100%, their priority, their primary partner. I can't just be... And, like, Rev sort of, like, sweeps her hand out in, like, a horizontal fashion. I can't be the same, on the same level as, uh, as Lotus. I can't even be just different. I have to be closer. You understand? It was the same way with Leaf. She had other partners, she had other girlfriends and boyfriends. But she always came home to me. I'm gonna have to think about this then. I don't... I'm in... <sighs> and V actually, like, starts to cry just, like, a little bit. Not too much, just like, but you can see just, like, her eyes are starting to water. Like, I didn't ask for any of this. Ever. None of it. I just... I... am just trying to survive. I've been trying to survive for a very long time. I didn't ask for any of this either, V. I didn't ask for the myriad to kill Leaf. I didn't ask to die. I didn't ask to be brought back as a literal revenant. But we make do. We look at the fates that the gods have given us, and we make do. Okay, you need time. You need space. I hear I hear you. I understand that. I can respect that. I just ask that while you figure out what you need, you don't go around sleeping with and falling back in love with Lotus again. Do you think you can do that? That feels like a little bit of a low blow. But, um, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Great. Good talk. Also, I love what you've done with your hair. Uh-huh. Uh, and Rev gets up and, like, exits exits the room, I think. And I think you feel like Scott and Nectus, like, sort of, like, coil, like, serpents in your soul a little bit. Uh, at, like, squeezing around your heart just a bit uh, as Rev exits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe maybe that's when uh, Rev walks out into the room with Manaya and Dewey. And that's also when Oka, I think, like, barrel, maybe, like, barrels through the courtyard and starts, starts running in. Go ahead, see. 
So you know that meme of uh, Candace from the boys who do summer with the platypus? I forget what the show's called. Uh, but you know the Phineas meme and where Ferb. The... Phineas and Ferb, thank you. Phineas and uh, Ferb, see. <laughs> okay, I forget. Uh, where it's like, Mom, holy fuck! Okay, kicks the door open, and they're like, fuck, I know who the fucking spy is! Uh, and Halo is also there, and Oka has like dragged uh, Halo through the door also. Uh, hello, Paragons. Maybe there's a small delay between Rev walking to the other room and Oka bursting in. It's like Rev's walked to the other room and then maybe like Manaya and Dewey are like almost like trying to look but not trying to be seen. And then as soon as Rev walks, they go, <clears throat> um, uh, hi, Oka! The fuck? The spy! I know the spy is. We saw them. They took the, the memories from the Eighth Wife. They were going to sleep together, but then they weren't because the, 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 the Eighth Wife figured it out. It's, okay, uh, okay, they're okay. changeling. Keep your voice down. We don't know who's listening. Oh, right. Fuck. Sorry. I shouldn't have been screaming this whole way. Okay. Sorry. Wait, you've been screaming the whole way? No, just generally. Uh, but just, hi, V. Uh, uh, oh, God, we really ran here. Really. Hard, sorry, I'm kind of out of breath from screaming and running. Um, we know who that, who the spy is. Who? We need to sit down. And I think Manaya is like walking over to the table that's maybe in this room. Um, there's like a combination kitchen or something. Uh, and pulls out a chair and is like, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Hopefully not in a way that someone sitting outside our window or door can hear. Do you have any magical bombs for that, Dewey? Just tell us. I have something for it. Uh, and Rev holds out her hand and Grim ripples into existence. And maybe like uh, almost bonks Dewey in the head as it shimmers into reality. Yeah, like maybe like like jerk backward. And she sort of like twirls it uh, like a wand in one hand. and sweeps it around the interior and like a globe of silence. Like black feathers ripple out and like dome dome you all off and when you talk your voices sound muffled like you're in like a recording studio or like a place with like extremely padded like acoustic walls and you just know that like anyone from the outside will not be able to hear what you're saying inside this dome they're a changeling they have taken the form of a, a blue half orc i saw them at somebody's sword demonstration the other night too they're there and they're here the blue one talking with the eighth consort blue by sure mm-hmm mm-hmm Last night, Lotus told me that someone, a noble, came into bar with a blue half-orc. What was the... Wait, what? Yeah, the, 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 that must have been the noble they were associating with. Who was it? Uh, Lotus couldn't tell. And V is also, like, still, like, fucking, like, getting tears out of her eyes. Um, they couldn't really tell. It's... They think that the noble was, like, casting magic to disguise themselves, but they describe them as, like, lots of fur, but their face, like, you couldn't really make out their face, probably do the magic. Uh, is there anyone in the palace that specifically wears lots of fur? No. It seems like maybe... Based on this description, you know how nobles are in the palace, especially nobles who, like, don't really know what it's like to be poor. Uh, like, they will, like... They're not really good with like handling the cold in winter, so they probably like just swaddled themselves up in fur to like overcompensate. Whereas like people in Dokao and the outskirts like can sort of like weather the cold and know how to dress in a less ostentatious manner for autumn and, and winter. Understood. Oka takes a moment and their eyes kind of like focus somewhere else and then focus back. The eighth wife had figured it out that this person was a spy. She 
knows about the plot, but she was calling them on their bluff. I think she just wanted a... She wanted to know the rumor. She wanted to know the secret. She's fine, though. She's not dead. I'm talking about her like she's dead. She's fine. But uh, I do believe that this spy stole her... uh, Stole her memory. So we know someone that we're looking for, but they may not look like the person we're looking for, and we don't know who they really are behind the person that we're looking for. Yes. Just checking, make sure I got my facts right. It's not all hopeless, though. I uh, used to travel with a changeling with the hounds, and they could change into anything or anyone, but the stars always stayed. Little star marks on their skin. It's possible that the spy has something similar, uh, 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 something that stays. V. Uh, Rev turns to you in, I think, like a very professional kind of cold, cold way. Did Lotus share anything else about this noble, aside from what they looked like in terms of fur? Anything else about them that was weird or stood out? That they, again, seemed to be in touch with magic. They were able to sort of disguise them. Like, are, do any of the, the spouses have the ability to sort of disguise themselves or... Uh, V, we are in a palace full of extremely powerful magicians. Everyone here has the ability to change themselves. Or at least they know somebody who can call in a favor, a servant who still has magic. Anything else? Uh, An idiosyncrasy, a quirk. Well, they did order a unique drink. It was simply an olive in a glass, as if that made it a virgin martini. That is fucked up. That's not a drink. Everybody has their own personal taste. Who knows? Maybe it's very delicious. No, I'm with Dewey on this one. That's not a drink. Well, it should cut down the possibilities then if we look for people and what kind of drinks they enjoy. We might not need to. V, you're... If you're anything, you're evidence that any memories taken can always be returned. If we can talk to... Miss Nubai Shun, I don't know, some magic or something to get her memories back. She knows more than any of us could ever find out. I'm not so sure about that. She just knows what we know, that this person was the spy. She watches everything. Manaya, she probably saw some small quirk. We can try and ask, but memory magic is dangerous and fickle. We might end up hurting her more than anything. V, what does it take for... I almost hate to ask. What did it take to restore your memories? I mean, I was just standing there. Suddenly this stranger was confronting me, yelling at me, knowing my name. Uh, And then it just started to flood in there. And then uh, V looks over at Rev and just... It just came back the more we started talking and getting to become reacquainted. Maybe you should try kissing. I doubt any one of us kissing the eighth wife of the emperor is something even feasible. Nor anything any of us would want to do. Also, if you did, I would stab you. Oh, and I'd be next in line. Wow, this is aggressive. It's just a suggestion. Oh my goodness. I do like a challenge. V, if you if you so much as go near my technical step 
parent, I will stab you harder than I did yesterday. It's so hard to be a V. Jokes aside, let's get back on track. We have, it seems, two possible leads. We either jumpstart the memory of Miss Liu Baishu, or we pursue this blue half-orc, assuming they assume the same uh, visage. Visage? That is the right word. Right. The thing is, is that they probably haven't changed their visage. They took the memory from the eighth wife so they could keep their disguise. They don't know that anyone in the palace knows. They probably still think they're safe. I think both of those leads are good leads, but we still have so many others also to at least consider. I mean, we've got, personally, I am interested in uh, the second wife, mostly someone who deals with gambling and gamblers uh, playing games. They're probably... A little dicey. They probably know information that nobody knows that they know because they like to underplay their hands. I might go check in with them. I could try to get you into her mahjong parlor. I do love me some mahjong. He brings up okay. a good point. There are... We can't just get pigeonholed with this one feed. <laughs> uh, pigeonholed. <laughs> Dewey shoots via look. Uh... There I mean, are... you walked right into that one, Dewey. Yeah. Flew into it, I guess. <laughs> All right. Right on fly. Like a bird hitting a window, one might say. <laughs> right. I thought we talked there about There are a number of spouses we haven't talked to as a group yet. We should, at least, at the very least, canvas all of them first, and then we can follow whatever most promising leads there are. V goes and talks to the second wife. I've been meaning to talk with the first wife since we arrived. I think I have an idea about how to get to her. So I don't think she'll want to see me in broad daylight, nor I, than any of us, to be totally honest. But it'll take some time. Okay. Yeah, you probably... I trust you with that. Uh, be safe. Sounds a little bit sketchy, but... There's also some research to be done in the library, I think. There's probably some literature on... The stuff that we haven't quite found yet. About everything, really. <laughs> the library has everything. We could figure out more things about... Ah, oh, fuck, I could finally fucking read that book! <sighs> Shuhai Miao's diary that we found in a ball. We can look for clues in the library, keep our eyes open for the spy. I'll get you into the Mahjong parlor. I like this idea. I like this idea. Well... Both times I talked to a consort, I probably revealed more than I learned, so I'm probably more comfortable around books that I don't have to <laughs> reveal the whole plot to. <laughs> That's good. You can you can reach the ones on the tallest shelf. <laughs> Since Dewey won't fly up there. It's true. Why are you so afraid of flying, Dewey? I'm not afraid of flying. If you are, you could just tell me. I'll teach you if you want. I know how to fly. Oh, is this like a flightless bird situation, like a penguin? Dewey like walks, <laughs> walks out of the bubble and goes to the wall and starts drawing like a missing person sketch of this blue half-orc, ignoring everyone else. It's like, so what did you say their facial features looked like? <laughs> uh, and maybe on that, Halo steps forward. This entire time, she has somehow produced tea and has brewed it and is like pouring little cups of while y'all were talking, turns to you, Dewey, and starts answering you. Well, first it was really their skin. 
glimmering like sapphire. Uh, and off like Halo describing this blue half-work to you and the rest of you turning, right, as Rev sort of twirls the scythe and like this dome of silence like um, unravels back into the ether. We're going to take a quick break. V. We find you, perhaps, dressed in these like nigh-tailored robes uh, that maybe you've cobbled together from the guest quarters. Maybe some jewelry you've also found in various wardrobes, perhaps that you've pilfered through your long career of thievery. We find you, Vinok Sherzo, in the courtyard of Queen Guo, second wife to the Emperor of Too Long. Every night is gambling night at Queen Moore's courtyard. Uh, you see swimming all around you, yet nobles in their finery, draped in robes of darkened silk, wearing big headdresses interwoven with their hair styled up in elaborate updos. You see floating globes of water uh, levitating above uh, still ponds with koi fish swimming in these iridescent circles within liquid. You also see fairy lights floating around this garden, which is even more ostentatious and beautiful uh, than the garden and courtyard of the fourth wife, Arden Hien, and your friend Oka's mother. You stand, I think, at the gate, the archway, uh, where a bookie of sorts, uh, let's say a slender dwarven woman with this like big beard sort of like tasseled into braids down her front, is collecting uh, an entrance fee and handing those who wish to gamble in Queen Gua's courtyard a special card uh, to wear on your breast to indicate your, your number. What do you do? V is going to uh, be very sheepish uh, I, I imagine she has like a little a little purse that she's like kind of clutching in front of her, like wide-eyed doe has never seen a gambling hall. And wow, this is so. Oh, oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, I have. To, do I pay you something? <laughs> uh, listen, kid. Word of advice for someone who's been around the black a few times. Says this dwarven bookie. Uh, you don't want to have so many tails like that. They're going to chew you up and spit you right out. Must be rich off of daddy's money. All right, entrance fee is, uh... And the dwarf looks you up and down. 55 gold. 55 gold? Oh, that seems atrociously too much. I, I wouldn't dare... F I know this is the Emperor's Palace and all, but 20 gold seems more than sufficient for such a... <laughs> 20 gold? No, 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 no. You're new here. Wet around the ears, I can tell. 55 gold. Well, oh dear, I guess. You s and she's like bumbling through her coin purse and she... Uh... uh I, is, and actually hands 60. Is this 55 gold pieces? Could you, could you count this for me? Uh, yep, yep. That's 55. Thank you. And the dwarven woman's gonna reach forward to cup it. Perfect. Uh... uh here you go, and V just goes ahead and just like gives it away. 60 gold. Okay, so mark that off on your character sheet. <laughs> she takes this gold, like chuckling at how naive, right, you, you, you're you appearing, and hands you a number. Uh, so what is your number, V? We'll go 315. 315. Number 315 that you proudly pin to your breast. And the dwarven woman like bows low, uh, her 
beard scraping the manicured floor and ground as she welcomes you into the courtyard. And V, you see the first ring of the gambling, I think, is takes place completely outside. And you have to gamble your way deeper into the courtyard. You have to collect a certain amount of gold to buy in, a certain amount of, of tokens to buy in like, to the next rung. You can't just bribe your way up. You have to prove it through gambling uh, and using their currency. And there's a little booth where you can like swap in gold for tokens, right? But there's like a limit to how much you can buy like straight off the bat without like swapping more tokens for other tokens, etc. Uh, so the first rung uses bronze tokens, right? And if you collect enough bronze tokens, you can swap them in for enough silver tokens for a buy-in for the next rung uh, of, of the gambling. So looking around, you see various mahjong tables. It's exclusively mahjong set up all around this garden. You see tons of people smoking, you know, and like leaning over tables and sort of like spectating on like like people like gambling against each other. And people are like placing bets on who's gonna win, right? And like the people who are also like uh, competing against each other are obviously like fighting for the for the pot of money in the center. So V, tell me, how are you gonna tackle this first night? I would like to maybe roll some perception. What I'm looking for is a table with a player who seems to be like overly confident. Someone that this whole ruse of not knowing who I am, that they might fall for it a little bit and let their guard down and slip up a little bit. Make a perception check for a mark, an easy score. I'm gonna use a lucky point. Okay. So I, uh... Wow, you gotta do. I do have a point of inspiration, don't you? Do. I? You do. I, I gotta use it. Wow, this is just bad. Okay, can I just describe to you? My first roll was a three, my second roll was a four, and my third roll was a five. No! You know what? You know what? Because it's gambling night, that's a straight. That's a straight. <laughs> three, four, five. So I'm gonna treat that as a successful perception check. You know what? Cause it's gambling night. It's gambling night. I can't. I can't resist a good gamble. Uh, if you'll let me tell you, uh, maybe herd you a little bit toward a certain direction. How's sure, that? Sure, go for it. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you a good mark though. You cast your naive, doe-like, long-lashed gaze around this courtyard to find a table with a ton of people crowded around it. Perhaps the most people like out here in the garden. And there, mahjong. There's four players at each table. Uh, you see three players that don't necessarily strike your eye, but one of them stands out. A young person, maybe only 20 years old, uh, but draped in these like silk robes made of pure golden thread, right? And it's got like the emblem of like a dragon uh, coiling, I think, around a serpent like all the way up, like a dragon on one arm and like a serpent on the other. Uh, and I think at this point you would have recognized Oka's various family member crests. This is the crest of the Guo family. This must be one of Queen Guo's uh, children. Uh, and they are like sniffling. They've got like a handkerchief out and they're like constantly daubing at their nose and blowing on it and sniffling and like like tucking the handkerchief away. Uh, and they've got this like short cropped kind of like uh, <laughs> this short cropped uh, mess of, of black hair. Uh, and where it's shaved on the sides, you see tattoos sort of creeping up their neck and going into their scalp. Uh, and though they're young, 
Uh, okay, I'm, uh, gonna go all in for this hand, um, uh, oh, that's Mahjong, uh, I guess I win, yay! And they're, like, scooping, like, the pot of money in, and, like, the three people around them, uh, get up and, like, slam their gloves on the ground, and they, like, 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 storm off, you know? And, like, the crowd grows as, like, people grumble and, like, exchange money, uh, the onlookers, and this young person, you're not sure, like, Something about them seems like you're like, I feel like I can swindle them because they're used to people like expecting them to win. And they're used to people always like coddling them and like looking up to them. You know what I mean? So as they like scoop this huge pile of bronze tokens in, you find your your feet moving toward them. What do you do? Oh, wow. You wow, the this game looks so easy. You you just you just win. That's all you do. And oh my gosh, your tattoos, they're so Thanks. Mom gave them to me when I was a baby, I guess. But then my head started growing faster for my body, so they had to get a magician to blast the tattoos off my skin and redo them, which apparently cost a lot of money. But that's okay, because Mom's rich. Uh, and they, like, scoop all the tokens into, like, a barrel that they have, like, by by them. And you notice, like, they have more than enough tokens to advance into the next, like, tier, maybe even the one after that, but they're still here, which is interesting. You've... You've got so many, uh, can you show me how, I've never played this before, can you show, and V, like, it's taking out the, the, I mean, I, was she given some bronze tokens to Yeah, let's say your 55, your 60 gold buy-in got netted you yeah. 55 bronze tokens. Perfect. Uh, I've got these tokens, do I, do, can, do I just put them on the table? What, what do oh, I do? yeah, you'll wager a certain amount at the beginning of each round. And, oh, wow, 55 tokens? You must have won a few rounds already. The buy-in rate isn't that high. Well, yeah, sit down. Yeah, why not? I won't go easy on you, though. I'm pretty good. So V sits down and just like, so I, I bet all of it? Is that what I do? She puts, like, it all into the pot. There's, like, murmuring from the crowd. You see a couple of people, like, smirking and snickering at you as they start to place bets, you know? And, like, you see, like, a big, like, uh, half-elf man sort of go, huh, yeah, I'll uh, sit in for this round, too. <laughs> uh, looks at you like you're an easy score, right? And, like, another, like, person sits down uh, across from across from the half-elf. Uh, and the Prin, you assume, and I think the name comes to you now, Prin Guobiu, uh, Ninthborn. This, as, as you sit across from them, you notice how big they are. They're half Goliath, right? So they're actually huge, even though they like like carry themselves in kind of like a, a adolescent manner or like a juvenile manner. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go easy on you just because you're new, though. I wouldn't expect you to do anything but play your very best. I mean, I'm I'm just a new beginner, so everything you do is a new lesson. I've but you're gonna have to tell me the rules because I've never played before. Okay, well, you're gonna try to get matching tiles, all right? Let's get started. Uh, and Pringua, like, snaps their fingers, and, like, you see, like, the... Uh, these desks must have been imported from Uhanahi or something, because you see them, like, like, a depression form in the center, as, like, the tiles are, like, mixed in, and then, like, fresh sets of four tiles come up. You know what I mean? Like, classic, like, Vietnamese auntie, like, showing off her brand new mahjong table situation. Like, four sets of tiles come up, and you begin to play V. So I need you to just tell me how you're playing uh, for this night. Are you going to try to, like, sleight of hand cheat? Or are you going to try to, like, bluff your way through or a combination of both? What I'm going to do, um, how well can I see pr the prince, uh hand? Well, kind of hard because, like, Mahjong tiles are, like, set up in such a way that unless you're next to them, it can be hard to see. If you're sitting, I'll let you decide where you're sitting, though. You can be sitting next to them or across. 
next to that okay. way I'm like I'm constantly leaning over like is this and like I even show a couple of tiles like is this what they play here uh, oh, you're not supposed to show me your tiles now I know what your hand oh. is stupid oh I'm sorry and uh, but when <laughs> when she does this though she's going to cast minor illusion on the tile to make it look like a different tile oh uh, <laughs> okay roll deception my friend for this entire night unnatural 20 okay dc for the night was 18 uh so that is a success so what that means uh oh my god so why don't you tell me what that means v as you sort of like do your first game ever so again v acting this way is constantly showing uh the print uh the tiles but they're obviously the wrong tiles and she's going well look if okay well i've got i've got four i've got no, th th sorry, too many. I've got two more of these, so that's three. So I, sh I should keep this one, right? And and then, like, V is, like, scrambling around and maybe a few times doing a little bit of sleight of hand in the pile um, with the tile that she had so that the print doesn't really know which one's going on. And then, you know, through all of that deception, she's simple. She cleans up. I would say she cleans mm -hmm. up pretty nicely, very I quickly. Think Yep, toward the toward the end game uh, of this the first round, you know, like the onlookers, I think, are like are like muttering amongst themselves and like watching, etc. The prince going, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, you wanna you wanna discard that one because you don't seem to have any other magic pairs for that one. Uh, oh, you shouldn't take that one though. Uh, no reason, just don't, you know, like the prince is like trying to see you as like an easy mark, and you're the first one to get a matching set. Uh, so like the correct thing is to like declare mahjong and flip your tiles down. Yeah, so, so uh, V's gonna like flip. Uh, is what? this a mahjong? What the? And like the entire crowd like gasps and people are like, what? Like murmuring amongst themselves. Like the half elf goes, what? What in the God's damn? And like slams like his fist down like on the table and like rattles the other tiles. And the print goes, how did you? But when did you? But I told you to discard that tile. I thought I did, didn't I? But I picked up another one later on. Don't you remember? Were you not paying attention? I was showing you all of my hands just because I didn't know what I was doing. If I won, it was your, your good work. You taught me so well. The winner is number 315, says like a nearby bookie, like who's like keeping like neutral judgment over these tables and they sweep like the, the tokens toward you. So you're now like a like hundred tokens richer as like you, you win your bet back and also the best of everyone else. And Prin Gorge just goes, ah, again, I want a rematch. How much do I need to go to the next level? 150. All right, so I do need to play at least one more. Uh, well, if you maybe beginner's luck, perhaps, uh, let's, sure, let's, um, and V's like figuring out uh, the amount she needs to win still. Like, is, this seems like a good amount to bet and puts yeah, it in. Yeah, just put it down. Pot. Put it down. I'm going to okay. kick your butt. Okay. Uh, and Prin go like two new people sit down and the two of you gamble again and taking your role for the for how you do for the rest of this night you clean up you win 150 bronze tokens maybe even more you like you kick Prin Gua's butt in front of everyone. And like by like the fourth or fifth match of the night, but you win every single one, Prin Gua like slams their like big like hands down on the Mahjong table and cracks it. And they get up and they go, I've had enough. Hmm. 
and they like get up and they turn and they storm out you know and, like they're followed by like a retinue of like courtesans and like nobles etc but you you're sitting there with huge fat sacks of like bronze tokens that can carry you to the next level v and at this point everyone's looking at you like wow like this person is clearly not just a newcomer <laughs> beginners luck everybody <laughs> and v like puts it in and uh all of a sudden like completely drops that and then like like clearly is like yeah now it's confidence time she's doing a yeah. new angle for the next as she prepares for the next round of stuff yeah you drop the tokens in front of like let's say like a bookie like in like toward the inner courtyard and like your face changes as you drop this look of like naive like doe like eyes to this one this mask of like pure confidence and you're you're given like a smaller sack of silver tokens as you stride past the archway and on like a v striding past the archway into another night of gambling we're gonna pan over i think to dewey and manaya doing library doing library research in the royal archives so dewey and manaya we find the two of you i think in the in like some stacks it's kind of dusty in here uh some like sun uh sunless light filters in through like nearby uh lattice window openings apertures uh and sort of like ignites these like floating motes of dust in the air uh, as dewey is maybe like looking through like certain books right and Manaya, you're maybe also like loitering nearby you're like helping dewey reach the higher shelves without dewey having to flap his wings up or grab a ladder um and all around you is very quiet uh, the, obviously, it's the library, so you're not supposed to like talk. Um, but this particular corner of the library is very dark, very secluded, and very quiet. What are the two of you up to? I think that Dewey, in trying to keep up this facade that, or like keep this uh, Godjar plan a secret, he's kind of grabbing like way more books than he needs. You're like hiding the books you need in like other books that aren't as suspicious. Yeah, just drown him out with like a sheer number of books, <laughs> and I think he hands them to Manaya because like, is he yeah, going to carry like me... fifty pounds of books? <laughs> Thank you. I am not used to <laughs> so many books. When I was about to reach into like a, a back pocket to to take out the uh, the set of teeny tiny glasses to try to read the books, but before she could grab them, was these books were hoisted then upon her, and she's like, "Oh, oh, what all, what are all of these?" I think it's just a lot of history books, and also you know like um, books on martial combat. Stuff like that. Siu Long does have a long and storied history, hey? Uh, yeah, I don't know how how I'm going to get through all of these in just a couple of weeks. Oh, I can help you. You can speak brushing up on my Tzu. Oh, have you now? And he quickly like starts putting more books on the pile. <laughs> oh, uh, here, let me... And Manaya shifts the stack of books uh, that she's holding in both hands to just one hand, <laughs> leans up against her, and starts another pile in the other hand. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, um, well, since we've been around and, you know, I've uh, been around the city and all, I've, I found it myself a tutor. Oh, uh, out in Dokal or in the palace? Oh, yes, she'd, uh, she helped me to, uh, at least be able to get the basics of reading down. Oh, were you, uh, she taking you on pro bono or, uh, were you... Hey, uh, did you sign up for school? On, on... What? Do you have connections? Or did you sign up for, like, classes? Oh, no, no, nothing like that. Actually, uh, Manaya finds a nearby table and unceremoniously drops them on the table, maybe a little bit too loud, <laughs> not having a whole lot of experience in libraries. And her voice picks up a little bit. She says, she gave me these uh, really cool uh, uh, glasses 
that she said should, would be able to help me read. Uh, take a look at them. I think they're really neat. Oh, hey. And Dewey, like, uh, grabs them out of Manaya's hands and, like, starts flipping through the uh, different colored lenses. It's like, oh, wow. Did, who, made, who made these for you? Uh, well, who... the... <laughs> I don't have many connections, but the, the tutors, she actually just gave them to me. I don't... I mean, I want to see her again, of course, but they were, it was confiscated from one of her students. You like V with this kind of contraband. Kind of thrilling. <laughs> I don't think this is a thing that the uh, royal examinations would appreciate. But for research. Excuse me, young man. Hello. Uh, and this, the oldest fucking turtle you've ever seen in your life. Like a, a soft shelled turtle librarian sort of like, like hobbles up maybe about your size, Dewey, and is holding a leather bound book. Uh, in in her fins, uh, and, the, and like it seems like really ragged. I found the volume you were trying to look for earlier when he passed by the front desk. Of here it is, and like she hands it to you, and the front in two says to break a soul. Now, this is a very sp a special kind of book, so I'm going to need you to re return this in mint condition. You understand? Will do. Yeah, I. Uh... Take very good care of this. Dewey's still holding the glasses, right? Manaya's not wearing them? Yes, you are. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, you've taken them. He uh, <laughs> waits until, like, the librarian turns their back and he kind of, like, piles it in between, sandwiches in between, like, a couple of other books. And I think Manaya's like, oh, I'm, like, she's, like, reaching for the glasses. Oh, what is that one? Can I try to read it? Uh, it's about, um, it's a technical manual. Don't worry about it. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. were you looking for any books i've taken up so much of i don't know how many books we're allowed to take out Manaya looks up at the stack on the table well i wanted to try to find something but i might have to wait till tomorrow with all of these books that we're going to be taking out yeah and maybe this is a good time to call for an investigation check from you dewey for the course of the week to see how quickly and efficiently you're able to find the books you need for Tarnak and Kilohana. And Manaya, are you trying to suss Dewey out or is that thought not even crossing her mind? No, Manaya is the most innocent little little girl that you've ever seen in your life. Okay, what kind of books is Manaya trying to look for? Before that, Dewey allowing, Manaya would like to, as soon as she can get her glasses back, at least try to help Dewey trying to find the sections that he's looking for. Maybe not the specific books though. So maybe if I could roll to, uh, give Dewey a bonus. Why don't you assist Dewey then? Yeah, so Dewey, you can roll that with advantage. How about that? I'm also going to use my Flash of Genius, which is oh. a new artificer thing. Ooh. Uh, I think this is where he's most in his element. Uh, so he gets a 26. Holy bananas! Dewey, okay. I think what that means over the course of the week is we see like a montage, right? Outside of the, the library window. Uh, we see like the light go dim and the starless dark take over and then the light like fade up again you know and like uh, dusty moats are illuminated and then the lights go dim and then the lights fade up and the lights go dim and we see like a like quick time lapse you know montages Dewey and like Malaya like move all over the place we see like maybe like Manaya sleeps in the library one night and like Dewey's like caffeinating and like like looking through books etc we see like Dewey like slipping like to break a soul like into like a secret compartment or something uh, of like Dewey's pouch as Manaya's like like 
study studying maybe like two for beginners or something like has this like big thick scroll out and is like trying to read the characters, right? Manaya is so, looking for books mm -hmm. for herself, but yeah, go ahead. I like that. Yeah. So during this montage, why don't both Dewey and Manaya, the two of you tell me what you're up to over the course of the week? Not just a day, but the entire week. I think that Dewey, there's like a record of who checks out what books, right? Uh, so, yes. <laughs> so um, I think that- under my name, I swear to Mahu. No. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I have to take these out. So what do you, I mean, you got a 26. So whatever you do doesn't immediately raise suspicion is what I'll tell you. Yeah, I think I'll check a couple out under Manaya's name and a couple oh, under mine. Just so like, it's okay. not all just Dude. one person. Okay. But I thought- Dewey, your name only should have two characters. That That's one extra, isn't it? Oh, Wait. no, is that Kadu? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you should use your official name, yes. wouldn't you? Thank yes, you're so good at two. Oh, so much better than I am. Um, oh, well, you know, I've been practicing. Yeah, I just can't seem to pick up languages the way you can. So will that be all for today? It's the same turtle. It's the same turtle lady. Oh, yes, please. Thank you so much for all of this. You've been You're wonderful. very welcome. I notice you've been interesting in borrowing books about you. This is a fantastic guide for beginners. It helps you with tonal inflections. I'll just add that on to the list. When I blushes a little, thank, thank you, really. Ah, you're very welcome. No skin off my back at all. Well, that'd be quite impossible. I am a soft-shelled turtle after all. Uh, and like starts like putting the books in like a little like paper bag for the two of you. Would it be okay if we borrowed this library cart? It's- I don't want to break any- Oh, the cart! Of course! Of course! Uh, Mon Mon! Uh, and you see, like, uh, a, a tiny little turtle, but so wide, like, pushing a cart out. And draws to, like, a stop next to you, and, like, very buff starts, like, piling all the books onto this cart. Thank you, Mon Mon. You need any rough handling, Mon Mon's your guy. <laughs> Connie, this is everything I ever wanted out of this campaign. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We need some uh, brevity before we get into Okasine. So here it is. Speaking of Okasine, I think there's one day that Oka accompanies Dewey and Manaya, uh, which is probably terrifying for Dewey because Oka. <laughs> uh, but Oka is very busy teaching Manaya how to curse loudly in Sue and like write curse words on the desks. And I think... Uh... Just for the sake of comedy, maybe that falls on a day where it's like Manaya's turn to try to find some books. Look, if you look just underneath that shelf to the left, I scratched my initials in there when I was like 14. Manaya ducks under to see that shelf. Oh, right. Under here. It's like an erotica shelf. It's like nothing but dirty mags. They really have everything in here. It's amazing. Okay, what were you looking for, though? Uh, I can stop taking you on a tour. Yeah, now maybe this is a good time to go to Manaya and see like what Manaya's been up to for this week. Uh, we discussed before talking about uh, the history of Tsilong and like the how the em this emperor rose to power, um, assassination plots that have happened before, uh, and so Manaya is looking for lineages, biographies, histories, and while she's in specifically biographies, she's also looking for records of who's lived in the city, specifically trying to find out, you know, how long has. Miss Jada Galben here. Did she have any partners? Uh, how, you know, anything about Nolly, how she was when she was in the city, that kind of thing. Okay, so why don't you make an investigation check uh, for your week to see how quickly you find that information, how thorough the information you find is. Maybe I could also give some support insofar as Oka would also kind of be looking for stuff about Wang Botsian's family. 
Yeah, totally. So you can roll that with advantage, Manaya. Thank you, because I was going to keep that four. Okay, 14. I think it takes you till the end of the week to find anything like really of value, but you feel like you're getting closer, right? Especially as Oka's help, helping to guide your hand. Like, oh, maybe it'll be in the family archives here. Maybe the census data, right? Like you're trying to like, you're jumping from like census stack data. to stack. I thought that's where you carved your name under. That's... No, no, no. That's the erot... That's the... Yeah, there's two different sections for sense. It's a huge library. Just come on. We're, it's going to take like 25 minutes to walk there. Let's go. Not if I beat you there. When I had books. Literally. Oka flies. <laughs> Cheetah! Yeah, like this is a huge library connected by like dozens of courtyards, like held up by huge like marble pillars. These like beautiful like statues and like like break areas, lounge areas for just reading with like in, in like indoor waterfalls and like rock gardens and stuff. It's a massive complex, right? Tons and tons of books in here, millions at least at least of books. Uh, and it takes you to the end of the week, Manaya, to find I think um, maybe like a, a biography on your grandma. Jada Gao. Because uh, she is like something of a notable figure in Dokao, being like the most highly regarded like imperial exam instructor. And there's like one particular photograph uh, in this book of Jada and her only daughter, Nali. And this is Nali as like an adolescent. Maybe like your hand stills on this page as you're like in this like little reading nook with like Dewey and Oka like off to the side also reading their own books. And you just sort of see like Jada has like one hand up because Jada's so small and has always been small, like up on like Nali's shoulder. And Nali's dressed in these like, like a really stiff necked tipao, looks really uncomfortable in this like kind of restrictive dress. You know, like her, her like arms are out, shot out like a mannequin's and like her hair is all done up in this really elaborate, like these elaborate braids that look kind of painful, like breaking down like her scalp. And she's like, like half grimacing at like the camera person. And like Jada sort of like clearly in the middle, middle of like scolding her. And this is standing in front of like a newly erected like schoolhouse that you recognize now as the schoolhouse you've visited, but this one looks a lot like younger and newly built. And the caption is Jada Gao with the pride and jewel of her exam school, Nali Gao. And Nali in, is, is wearing glasses, which I, I don't know if you've ever seen her wear before, like in the in this photo. And like maybe your like, like finger like pauses on like the, the black and white grain of the photograph as you like look at it. Manaya's thumb uh, lingers on it. She shakes herself out of it. <clears throat> Look, Oka, looks like your family photos. What? No way, I'm so much Oh, well, she's kind of cute too. Wait, that's your mom. Um... <laughs> no, I meant like not wanting to be there. I you seemed so confined. I don't know if that's... I guess it's the minute you leave a place, you realize how much you miss it. <laughs> I guess so. And maybe that's a good place to transition over to what Oka's doing in the library. So Oka, you've been teaching Manaya swear words and showing Manaya all of your old haunts. Maybe because you're so preoccupied with Manaya, what Dewey's doing kind of slips under your radar as well. But I will allow you to insight check Dewey. And Dewey, you can make a contested deception check to hide your true intentions from Oka. Fuck. I fucking swear to you. I fucking swear to you. Natural 20. Oh, I got Plus. A three. Plus. <laughs> Uh, I have proficiency, so that's 27. It doesn't matter. Dewey got a 27. I got a three. Dewey's, Dewey's been going, doing a good job of, like, ducking behind uh, shelves every time Manaya comes around because she's, you know, tall, easy to spot. Doesn't, neither of them knows the shelves very well, but no match for Oka. 
Yeah, I think Oko, you know, because they are a, a hunter and like they like walk on silent feet, you know, and they're like breaking a soul. What the fuck is that? Nothing. It's about <laughs> working out. Oh, like you. You don't work out, though. You're like a wuss. I. <clears throat> and then Oga kind of laughs and like slaps him on the back and keeps walking. But they pause also and they make a mental note and they keep moving. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe before we move on to Oka fully, pan back to Dewey, they're like, oh, maybe like your feathers are a little ruffled from that like close encounter. Uh, so tell me, Dewey, over the course of this week, I think you're able to find all three books, To Break a Soul, Phylacteral Creation, and Thinning the Veils, Boundaries Between Mind, Body, and Heart. So I think, you know, you wanted Tardnock and Kilohana to be able to work as soon as possible. So tell me, how have you been like sending these books out to them like ASAP? Have you been meeting them in Dokao or have you been like sending it by a carrier pigeon, perhaps? <laughs> no, he would go out himself. He's the carrier pigeon. Um, he sneaks out every couple nights um, and makes his way over just when there's like a lull in the uh, living quarters. Okay. And everyone's so kind of... Mm -hmm. So why don't you make a stealth check and anyone who wants to contest it with a perception can, including V. Do and I Rev. get advantage because I'm weirdly yes. suspicious? Yes. Of yeah. yeah, you do. I'm also going to use my flash of genius just because it was not a great roll. I got a 14, so. You do have inspiration. I yeah, only okay. had a 12, so. I'm going to use my inspiration. Okay. V got a 12. I rolled pretty bad. I got like a 9, even with advantage. 17. 17. Can anyone beat a 17? Manaya? Yes. Damn it. <gasps> what did Manaya get? 24. Manaya's perception is bonkers. Well, they do sleep together, so they... That's true. So, Manaya, I think you... Maybe on, like, the third night with a 24, because the difference between 17 and 24 is considerable, but not super big. Uh, it's the third night of Dewey sneaking out that it rouses you. And you're like, uh-huh. And like, you're like, I think you see just enough to see like Dewey whisk out of, of the room, like not enough time to call after him, but enough to see him like leave, right? I think he's carrying this book and some of the dust uh, gets up in his nose and he sneezes. It's like a quiet sneeze as dad sneezes come, but then you hear like rapid like footsteps running away because he, know <laughs> he knows he yeah. messed up. Like on the tail end of Dewey's sneeze, which is very recognizable because Dewey has dad sneezes. You can like hear Dewey's little feet peter pattering away and he, you're, you know, the bed is empty. And that's what you notice on the third night. And Dewey, every time you've brought a book to Tardnock on Kilohana, you know, under the cover of night, they've been very grateful. You know, like they actually update you. Like they've been able to find some gold and like uh, money lying around. So they've been able to cut down the cost of like the money you'd have to like give them to like get the materials to make the god jar by like half. Right. Um, they're like excited about that. And they're very grateful when you give them the books and they're excited to work on this project with you. OK, um, so I think this is a good opportunity for us to transition over to Oka for the rest of this week. So, Oka, tell us, what have you been up to? Oka has been trying to be the best monster hunter they can be while cooped up in the castle. Insofar as they have been, I think they like t they watch V a few nights, you know, like as she gambles her way up. Once like she goes through some of the ruses, they like they come in at a different time and they just kind of stand and they like place a bet or two and then they like come back, you know, and then they go to the library with Dewey and Manaya during the day sometimes. And uh, they're checking out. They just they go to the library and they look at Shuhai Miao's diary and they just 
they like open up the accordion folds and they flip through them. And then they, and then they spend all day doing that basically besides teaching Mania swear words. And then at night they go and spend time with their family. They like have dinners, you know, uh, and they wait in the hallway or outside in the courtyard for the Prince of Knives to show up that motherfucker. <sighs> and they're also keeping an eye out for the blue skinned uh, half orc just around the castle. And if they see them in the complex, they'll just casually as casually as they can being, you know, the uh, black sheep of the castle and everyone's looking at them as casually as they can try to follow um, the spy around as much as they can before it becomes too obvious. So they're just, just all that is all. Okay. I think there's a moment where let's start with V first. When he sort of like pop in, pop by Queen Gua's like courtyard to see how V's doing. And V, I need you to tell me how you're trying to conduct yourself for the rest of this week to fight your way to Queen Gua herself after getting past the first hurdle. Yep. So in the second hurdle, um, I feel like I feel like you you actually don't see V from like well, there is no sun, but what would typically be like sundown till like V's coming in when people should be waking up almost every day, like sweaty, hot, whatever. But for the second round, she's like ripped open. She's like really showing off the girls. She's she's really playing the sexy angle to distract people. She's flirting. She is making people fall in love with her at every single table and then taking them for all that they're worth. And they they thank her for it. Okay, round two, the silver token round. Make a performance check, a sexy check, seduction check, please. I'm going to use one luck point. Okay. Damn, I'm trying to like, can't I use deception? Can't I use uh, persuasion? <laughs> you know what? I would allow persuasion. I don't know about deception, though. Sure, I, I'd okay. buy persuasion. Yeah. Then that's an 18. Okay, an 18. That is sufficient for the silver token round. I think like the final like gamble that pushes you over to the edge to like rank up into like the gold token round uh, is one of the queen's other children, uh, Princess Gua Basi. Uh, and she is like also a half Goliath, so quite massive, but taller and more svelte. Uh, than Prin Guabu, her younger sibling. Uh, and she seems very taken by you, very enamored. I think you're across from her, like her eyes, she's like maybe also, like she's like in her early 20s. Like her eyes keep like traveling down to your cleavage and like snapping back up. She's getting a little flustered. She's got this like long braided hair. Um, These two braids that sort of like swoop down like the front of her chest. She's also dressed in this like dragon twining around a snake like robe, but it's silver instead of like the, the gold uh, that Prin Gua was wearing. Uh, and she flubs it because she's like so like stuck stuttering and flustered and like looking at how pretty you are and like maybe you're hitting on her a bit. She like misplays her hand, right? So she goes, oh, oh, my great eight. I uh, see, I should not have discarded that tile. Uh, Mahjong again to you. Uh, what did you say your name was? Oh, my name is uh, uh, Valley. Like, you valley. know, like back in the, the valleys of Chukai, where I come <laughs> from. What a beautiful name, you know. I'm not a very sore, uh, I'm not a very good loser or a very good winner, but good job. You've, uh, you've, you've won. Uh, she, like, sticks out a hand to, like, shake your hand. And V, I think, is a little bit, like, 
like leaned real back and like almost like you know legs crossed and just like uh, reaches over and really uh, leans over the table uh-huh. and uh-huh. like kisses the hand really uh-huh. slowly and then reaches back and like lets like the hand like sort of just slide away from her fingertips. Uh, I'm so- I'm sorry. Where did you say you were staying in the palace again? I, I don't know if I I caught that exactly. I thought it was your room. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's how you, like, advance to the next round, I think. To the gold round. Uh, so what's your tactic for the gold? For This is the final line of defense before you get to the queen. In the final cluster, I think at this point, V is... Before joining a, any tables, is going to be, like, a lot more scouting, watching other people, kind of trying to look for strats and, and tells that they have. I think she's playing this one... Like, this is, you know... This is the World Series of, of Mahjong, and she is studying all of her uh, potential opponents before she goes in. And I think she's going to employ a lot of technique of, like, when she lays down tiles, she's going to... It's still in her palm. She's going to cast, like, um, Minor Illusion to make it look like a different tile, and then she's going to release her hand and see if it's something that they're interested in or not. And she's going to continue to manipulate the, the tiles that when they take things, then, it, like, as soon as they get to their hand, they're like, wait, this... This wasn't the one I wanted. You took it. You already took it. I'm sorry. And like okay. kind of that type of style. That's going to be a sleight of hand or deception check. I'll take the sleight of hand. Okay. Does a 25 suffice? <sighs> sure does. I think the final like mini boss, right? Before you get to Queen Guo uh, is Queen Guo's eldest, the fifth born. Princess Guo Xiang Ru. 23 years old. And she, as a Goliath, has a completely shaved head. She sort of has, like, both aspects of her, like, younger siblings. She's both broad and tall. Maybe eight feet tall, I would say. Uh, sat down. And she she conducts herself with a lot of composure. She's the toughest opponent you face yet, I think. And I think you lose a few rounds, right? And she's got your back against the ropes a few times, but then you, like, claw your way back up from, like, what appears to be, like, an unwinnable, like pit of despair, right? You're, like, maybe down to, like, your final gold token, you know, like, very, like, like, kakaguri, like, moment, you know, like, when you're, you know, like, oh, chips are down, and, but you're able to fight your way back up through, like, a, like, an impossible bargain, um, and when, like, you put down your final mahjong, right, like, your final victorious collection of tiles, Princess Guo Xiangru, <laughs> well played, you're very good at what you do. I have to... Give you the utmost respect. You are one of the best players I've ever played against. And you, I. She stands up and like ex- extends like a ginormous hand to like shake shake your hand in a show of sportsmanship. V slowly stands up, considers it. There's like this awkward amount of tension, and then she shakes it in a sign of respect back. As she shakes her hand, she pulls you in, and with her strength, I think she's just able to do it. She's fucking ginormous, uh, and she sort of says, as like people are sort of like clapping politely around you, and I think like the this final room is like filled with like smoke, like cigar smoke everywhere, and it's like interior. There's like you know dancers in the back. She pulls you in and says, "If it's my mother that you seek to gamble with, tread carefully. She doesn't gamble with gold." And then she releases your hand and like gestures for you to like move on to like the next next rung v like gathers up the last of her stuff i i almost feel like there's probably an employee who probably like is carrying all of these chips or anything yes absolutely so, at this point so yeah 
Over the like, course of this week, you've like bonded with this lackey. Your best oh, yeah. friends now. Like he knows everything about you. You know everything about him. Like he's like he's like cheering you on the back. Yep, and um, getting free drinks, comped everything, and like yep, uh, takes a little bow to her to those who are huge fans of Valley, and uh, makes her way towards the next room or the next space. Okay, I think that would take us to the final day of the week, but. We're not quite there yet, because we got to backtrack and get to Oka. Oka, over the course of this week, I think you've seen V rise through the ranks of gambling. And like maybe after like she she beats like the the uh, Princess Guobasi, you're like, okay, she's fine. Like she's got to, she, she's fine. She like knows what she's doing. Um, and as you investigate Shuhai Miao's accordion like a diary in the library, just making our... Uh, Make an investigation check for me. Yeah, as he flipped through it. The pages seem blank, but... Natural one. Uh, plus, uh, let's see, plus four, five, six, seven, uh, eight. With a natural one, you don't find anything of your own accord. You actually cut yourself. Paper cut. I think maybe you're kind of frustrated and you're like flipping through it. The pages are all blank. What the shit is this? Uh, so why don't you like flavor it a little as you get a paper cut? Yeah. Uh, okay. Like this is like the, f- the fourth day, the fifth day that they like have been just reading this book and they know that there's a puzzle and they've been trying to solve it. They've even like taken out other books about reading codes and figuring out how to read codes. Right. Uh, and they like, they're like flipping through it again and again. And I think they just tried to like do something where they like pour, like they were like, okay, uh, cast a magic on it. It did not work. And they're flipping through and they're like, fuck. Uh, and they just kind of like throw it down and it like just like glides across uh, their hands. And they're like, fuck, ow, bitch. Yeah. Uh, as a droplet of blood comes out of your finger and splatters onto let's just say like a random middle section uh, of the book when when the blood sinks into the parchment the parchment seems to like thirstily drink the blood and where the blood hits the paper words appear and like as soon as the blood hits it like the blood is drunk by the parchment and the words disappear what words did i get make a d20 check to see how lucky you are i swear again natural 20 Okay, the words that are... That was a 20, a 1, and then a 20 again for me, by the way. Do you want me to tell you what the words are, or do you want to keep gloating? I would like the words, thank you. Okay, the words are, the stranger came, and then it vanishes. Oka stares down at the blood, at the words, the stranger, and this like bolt of, re- like, this bolt of red through one of their eyes as their eyes go wide. And then this huge smile like cracks across their face uh, and they look up at maybe Manaya or Dewey, who is sitting across from them at one of these big like study desks. Why didn't I fucking think of that before? But they say it with this huge smile. I need to go somewhere I can get a little dirty. Be back later. Uh, and they pick up the book uh, and they go back and they make a total mess in the bathroom. Okay. That doesn't sound great. No, no, the returning prodigal prince does. Well, they've done quite unspeakable things in these stacks here. 
says the old turtle like pushing a cart like past your group and then we're gonna cut to inside this like privy where you've like shuttered like the door shut and let's just say without getting too graphic with it how much blood are you willing to lose just a little bit you know Oka's gonna they're gonna give themselves a nosebleed okay don't freak out everyone uh and then they're just gonna hold their face over the book and get as and like try to read it at the same time as it's like dripping down uh and I think they're able to just kind of like pull like the blood motes out and like keep them like with one hand I think they're like holding the blood above the book and just like kind of sliding like each word like each like I guess drop droplet of blood like across the page to like read each line uh and they start at the beginning uh I definitely wouldn't lose enough blood it's a big it's a diary it's a big book so definitely not enough to uh, pass out but they are reading it okay so I'm going to tell you what you see. That's also really smart. So I'm going to give you a point of inspiration for that. Um, as you blood bend your own blood and begin reading the book this way, you notice that, first of all, uh, the book is written in Nabalish, but you can understand it, even if you can't read Nabalish usually. Right. You can tell there's sort of like a mat. It's in, it's obviously magical. Right. Uh, you also know, too, something else you discover is that it seems to be particularly thirsty for your blood. And you get the sense that other people's blood wouldn't work on this book. Maybe only the Paragon of Sin's blood can work. The third thing you notice, of course, are the contents uh, of this book. And long story short, it's essentially Shuhai Miao's recollection of a familiar nightmare. They describe a battlefield. They describe the stranger. Wings and eyes, tears, black as tar and crimson as blood, dripping onto the ground, spawning monsters. If you read from the beginning, then you would know. It begins, I think the first sentence of Xuhai Miao's diary is, We thought it was a comet. Streaking across the sky, crash landing in the northern land. Where it fell, it split the earth open and created a chasm. It emerged from this crack, ginormous, taller than the world, spanning wings, bristling with eyes. But as you continue to read Oka over the course of the week, something weird starts to happen. The words start to change. Not all of them all the time, but specific phrases just before your very eyes just disappear, and then new phrases come in right? A specific phrase that disappears says, um, the monsters that attacked us were pathetic and weak. And then it erases itself and says, we're bristling and monstrous. And then like new paragraphs are added, you know, uh, that like get more specific about the kinds of monsters. Like Hai Miao essentially describes like the chicken boys in one passage and like the face stealer in another, right? And you see it rewriting and like unwriting and rewriting itself in front of your eyes. What is that? Do I know, do I understand anything about how that's happening? Make an arcana check. Uh, natural one. I rolled a 20, a one, a 20, and now a one again. What the hell is happening, C? Do you want to keep uh, that nat one? Four, uh, yeah, I'll keep it. It's a four total. I think with a nat one, the answer completely it's almost, okay, this is a, a dumb conclusion for you to draw about magic, but it's almost like Shuhai Miao is still writing it. Like their ghost or something is still like writing it. 
almost like the book isn't finished. And sure enough, you get to the final few pages of this diary and they're empty. It just sort of like ends in the middle of a description of the battle that hasn't ended yet. My brain is moving 10,000 miles an hour. And I think Oka is like in bed, you know, like V's out gambling. Rev, I think, is asleep. And Oka is like in bed with like the last few like droplets of blood, like kind of on their fingertips. And they like run one across and nothing shows up. And they're like brow furrows and they run another one across. And they're like, what the fuck? And they like run like again and again and again and again until like they realize that nothing is it's not done. And they like sit back and kind of like chew on, or I guess like they slide the last bit of their blood just like kind of back into their mouth and think for a really long time. And the dream that night feels that more vicious, like that much more vicious, I think, with that knowledge in hand. And I think on the heels of that dream, the eighth day dawns. Let's start with V. V, on the eighth night, let's say, you have fought your way into Queen Guo's personal gambling chamber. It's an opulent room with, I think you, you step inside this room and it's filled with smoke, like the richest tobacco smoke in all of Tzu Long. And you see these like beautiful statues uh, of like, various celestial emissaries, right, uh, of too long, wrought from, it seems like, pure silver, like adorning the corners of this room. In one corner, you see what appears to be a white tiger. In another corner, you see like a black tortoise with a serpent coiling out of its body. Uh, you see a phoenix in another corner uh, and a dragon in a final corner. And sitting, the only other feature in this room is a mahjong table. Uh, to what appears to be maybe like a uh, servant seated uh, across from each other. And then the final person seated at this mahjong table on one side is Queen Guo Ru Chong. She is a ginormous Goliath woman, about eight and a half feet tall, uh, with long silvery white hair braided in these thick plates down her back. Uh, and she sort of like, just sat there with her fingers steepled in front of her chest and a slight smile on her face. And her face looks almost like wolfish, I think is the best way to describe it. Like predatory, but also grinning. She cocks her head to the side. She looks at you. Valley, I've heard a lot of things about your play. You are making quite the ruckus these past few days. Please have a seat. And she gestures toward the one unoccupied chair. V does like a little bow to the queen, walks to the empty seat, um, and actually pulls out the uh, the diadem of truth, and it's kind of like swirling it around her fingers. She sits down and sets it on the table next to her. I've been mean. I've been so excited to get an audience with you this entire week. I as well. I'm excited to gamble against someone who has been all the buzz of my courtyard this past week. Well, I must confess, I've played all across Andake, and this has been some of the most fun I've ever had. A little easy, but, uh, you know, I had fun. <laughs> well, you've never gambled against me, Valley. And she directs her gaze to the, um, 
crown sort of just on the table. And I think your pockets are jangling with like golden tokens. You know what I mean? Like you have plenty, you have so many just on your person, but there are no tokens on the table at all. And you don't see Queen Gua having any barrels of money or either, either of her servants having it either. She looks down at the uh, diadem and says, That's a crown of truth. A real one by the looks of it. Where'd you get your hands on such a valuable item? Oh, just some old beau gave it to me, uh, you know, before I burned down his entire apartment. It was, you know, gifts from lovers. You know how it is. Is that your wager? Ah. <sighs> Well, I mean, I have to see what you're wagering. I, would, I don't know if this is a call or a raise. Who knows? I, so what, are, what is your bet? My wager. Uh, and she lifts a hand uh, up into like an open palm gesture, and then she like squeezes it into a fist. Uh, and you feel the weave in this room just <laughs> tighten as each of the four statues in the corners, like the gemstones embedded in their eyes light up. <laughs> Uh, and you feel like a massive zone of truth just sort of like lock down this entire room. Would you like to try to attempt a whiz save? Mine as well. Let's 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 try okay. it. Okay, go for it. You're gonna um, you're gonna make it with disadvantage in this room. Well, <laughs> I can only get one worse then. Six total. That is not quite sufficient, V. Uh, as you Thank feel you like much. the. <laughs> Uh, the weave like tightens around your soul. Maybe there's like, like a moment where you like feel the magic like working against your body. Uh, and Queen Gua just sort of like cocks her wolf-like head to one side, right? Like her silver hair shimmering against her shoulders as she sees you try to resist it and fail. <laughs> hmm. Like I said, you've never gambled against me before, Valley. I don't wager in trifles such as gold. Or trinkets like magical items. No. And she pushes the diadem like across the table back to you for you to keep. I wager in secrets. Ooh, my favorite. V puts it away. And sort of like gets like a real cocky. He's just like, ah, oh, I'm so excited for this round. Let's begin. Winner gets to ask the loser anything they want. And obviously, the loser must respond truthfully. Do these stakes feel fair to you? Do I have much of a choice? I've always wanted to play with the second wife, you know. I hear is actually better than the first, but, you know, here we are. So. <laughs> oh, oh, you've got lip! <laughs> oh, if Queen Moa could hear what you said, she'd strike you down where you sat. But I'm not Queen Moa. Thank goodness. Let's let us let our tiles speak for us from this point forward. Let's begin. And she gestures with her hands and tiles like rise out of the table. And you begin to like, you begin to play. So V for round one to decide who wins and who loses. I'm going to ask for an opposed check between you and I'm going to roll for Queen Gua. So tell me how you're approaching round one of your gamble. Honestly, I think V is going to play this first round in particular pretty straightforward. She's actually looking more for style and again tells. Uh, she's not afraid to lose this round mm. if it tells her important information. Okay, I will have you roll for disadvantage 
Uh, if it okay. means I'll also give you like additional information if you didn't roll with disadvantage, if that makes sense. Let's do it. Okay. Even if you lose, you'll get something useful, is what that means. Well, that was a nat 20. <sighs> disadvantage, my friend. Nat 20 again! <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> Why are all of you rolling nat 20s? Okay, I gotta give it to you. I gotta give it to you. So what's the total? What's the total? Oh, uh, shit, what was, uh, what was the... um? I don't know, you tell me. What skill uh, are you well, using? Let's see, uh, I think that's just a performance, right? We're just, I'm... Okay, performance, performance, go so for it. So that'll be a 23. Oh, a 23 total? Yeah. Okay. That's, Should I switch? <laughs> that's no, you said performance. That's not sufficient. But holy shit, you got a double nat twenty. I'm gonna give you so much juicy information. Don't worry. I think she wins. She gets to ask you first, but you get information about her. She wins the first round. I think it's a tight one. Her servants aren't like even part. They're like not even close. They're just there to sort of fill the space. They like need extra butts and seats. It's really mm. against the two of you. Um. She declares, like, she she takes her final tile and, like, puts tiles down and, like, forms a full set. Maybe you were, like, one or two tiles away, right, from, like, forming your own. She goes, that was a close one. You're pretty good at this game, Valley, if that even is your real name. Well, and V just, like, uh, returns a stare, like, obviously this is someone very high up, and V just doesn't act unabashed at all and just stares. Are you going to take your wager? I'll ask my question. And my question for you, Valley, is what are your true intentions in the slumbering palace? What are you here to really find out? Well, uh, there's... Our number one intention is we're saving Andake. Me and my friends, we're here, we're paragons, we're saving the everything we can. And in order to do that... We've got to protect the paragon that's here at the palace. <laughs> Very well. A fine answer. Very good. Next round. Uh, and you find out something very important about her is one of her tells. When she either gets a really good hand or a really bad hand, she laughs. She she only laughs when things are going really well for her or really poorly. So, like, that's her tell. And that's what you find out with your double now 20. Uh, and as you move on to the second round, tell me your tactic for approaching the second round. I think in the second round, um, has V, like, the servants who are playing, she's, like, heard their voices, right? Mm-hmm. So the person who goes before her uh, I think she's going to cast message and doing a very convincing impression of them. Try to get them to give tiles that V needs. And then to the one on the right, uh, trying best to get to discard ones that V thinks the queen doesn't want. Doesn't need? Okay. That's going to be like a, de uh, a deception or persuasion check. And I'm going to roll for queen, queen goal as well. I, I think that's a deception. Okay. 24? You get to roll with advantage, uh, given... Oh, but a 24 is also really high. You can roll that again with advantage if you want. Well, 20, 24 is still the highest. Okay, you win. You win the second round. I think because of your tactic. And Queen, Queen Gua just goes... 
<laughs> uh, as you lay down your tiles and show that you've won. And I think this time it wasn't even that close. Like you win pretty fast. <laughs> ah, one for one. Okay. Ask away. Take what's rightfully yours. Do you have any reason to kill the emperor? Uh, at that, Queen Gore blinks, you know, and like looks at you with a startled look in her face. Kill the emperor? Reason from me? Absolutely not. Uh, can I just tune in the weave to make sure we're still in some zone of truth here? Yes, I wouldn't fuck with you. Uh, out, like out of character, she's telling the truth. She is okay. also like in the zone of truth. All right. Well, that's a relief off of my mind, you know? I'd hate to be playing a game with a no-good, dirty, rotten murderer who's attempting assassination, who may be doing things to take down one of the paragons, who may be needed to save the entire world of Antake. So I'm grateful that... Hold um, on. The paragon... <laughs> Is the emperor... Oh, that's so sweet that you don't know so much information. I... Oh, that's cute. <laughs> next round. Uh, and as we cut to the next round, we're going to go to Manaya and Dewey, I think. Um, in the palace. Uh, excuse me, in the royal library. So this is the final day of books. Uh, uh, and of, like, doing research. And Dewey, at this point, I think you you... The previous night, you'd send out the final book, uh, and that was the night where Manaya saw you sneak out, but you don't, you don't know that Manaya saw you sneak out. So I think the two of you are, like, sitting at your usual table and, like, poring over books, right, and, like, looking at stuff. And Dewey, maybe you feel a little relieved because you've, like, you've gotten all the books and you've gotten them out of the palace, and they're now in Tarnak and Kilohana's hands, right? Are you finding anything on the seventh spouse or the sixth? I haven't found either of their names in any of these books today. Truthfully, Dewey, I... I've been practicing uh, writing, taking a little break from research. Oh, Would you uh, look over this? Sure. I'm writing in two. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to write like a, a basic self-introduction. Hello, my name is Manaya, etc. Sure. The, the characters look right. Uh, what for? It's... that's not what it says, though. Taking another page out of V's book. The characters read out and translate as... I saw you go out at night. <laughs> Where? The grammar isn't all there, but... I think Dewey freezes, uh, eyes glued to the paper. Why do you need this? Why are you writing this? Well, in case I need to introduce myself. The best thing to do in a conversation is uh, to give as much of yourself in hopes that the same can be reciprocated. A conversation is about trust, you see. Have I ever done anything to break that trust so far? You know, in my uh, trust in my abilities and two. Certainly not. I mean, you're one of the smartest men I know. And our goals here are singular. I wouldn't imagine you'd have any ulterior motives. No, we're all trying to do the same thing. Though, through different language, through different means. Same goal. So, what do you think? Did I write everything out correctly? I think it'll work. All right. I trust you. Cardu! And interrupting your cryptic conversation is a familiar voice, Dewey. 
and you turn to see Liangya, uh, one of Oka's sisters, who's got these like big thick spectacles on. She's hold like she's always clutching a stack of books in the library. She looks even more at home. She's like holding this like stack of books close to her chest, and she's like peering over the top of them. Oh, uh, hi, hi, Cardu. I I thought I recognized you. Oh, oh, hello. You must be uh, Manaya, right? Uh, Manaya. <laughs> in getting most of the tones correct turns around and says, Ensiu, hello. Yes, my name is Manaya. How are you? Oh, I didn't know he could speak to you. Liangya says, like, in Ensiu, I'm doing very uh, well. Oh, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that good. Just a beginner. Oh, well, your tones are, are, are very good already. I'm very impressed. You should keep at it. Um, uh, Cardu, uh, I just wanted to come here and, and say hello. And, um, oh, and I think at that point, all three of you notice a um, half fire Ganassi boy that at this point you're like, oh shit, he's been standing next to Liangya this entire time. You just have not noticed him because he's so forgettable. He's like the most boring boy you've ever seen in your life. And I'm saying that as an objective statement of truth. I'm not even gonna describe him. That's how boring he is. He's a half Ganassi, which is interesting, but not him. Uh, and he's just sort of stood there. Uh, and the other guy goes, oh, Ren. Uh, hi, I, sorry, I, I didn't notice you there. Uh, is everything okay? Are you still, where's your parents? I thought you were with them. Uh, my parent went off to uh, uh, get some snacks for studying for the exam. Uh, uh, hello, new people. Uh, Dewey does his best to introduce himself into. Uh, it's oh, significantly oh. less fluid than Manaya's. Oh, you, you have to use two. It's oh, okay. No. Manaya like, like sputters out a couple of words in you, but this is a new person she's never met, so she defaults to common. Oh, hello. I'm Ren. Moo Ren. Uh, this is uh, Prince Moo Ren, tenth born, uh, son of Consort Moo Piao, fifth spouse. Uh, we were actually all studying together. Would you want to sit together? Manaya looks at Dewey. Yeah, uh, I'd love to see what everyone's studying. I'm, I'm sure it's uh, very advanced stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I uh, failed the Imperial exam last year when I was 18, so I'm taking it again this year when I'm 19. And Mom says if I fail it again, it'll be a big disappointment. Uh, I don't want to be a di big disappointment. I'm sorry, what was that, Ren? I couldn't- you, you were sort of slurring what you were saying. I- I don't want to be disappointed anymore. My mom said to me, oh, for the scam? Yeah. Good job. Uh, nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Ren leads- or rather, Liangya leads the two of you to where she and Ren have been sitting. And it's like this big study table with like tons of books stacked up. And like Liangya's notes are out, you know, and like just looking at it, it's like advanced trigonometry, like really intense philosophical like arguments and whatnot, like really like graduate college like level stuff, right? Like here. And she's like 18. Um, she sits down and there's like an empty seat. There are two extra seats that it seems like Liangya, like Liangya drags over and there's an empty seat where you assume the fifth spouse would sit. Um, Gossip around, uh, and Prince Muren just seems to have a habit of just like muttering to himself, uh, and just sort of like 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 as he's like flipping through books, uh, and you're not sure if he's talking to you or not, right? But when you respond to him, he seems to respond back, but it's really hard to pick up what he's saying. Goodness, 
Imperial exams, I've heard they were difficult, but... Yeah, they're really hard. I failed it last year. Mom says I'm a failure if I fail it again this year. I don't want to be failures, my mom. First of all, I may not be able to understand much of what you're saying, but I did hear one word that I firmly disagree with. What is it? When I, like, grabs one of his hands in both of hers. Oh. You are a member of the Imperial family. You cannot be a disappointment. Every one of you is destined for greatness. Whether you see it now, or whether you see it seven years down the line. Oh. And, and hey, you're sitting next to someone who maybe seem a little bit intimidating, but I can't read Sue, but I can read those numbers. And Liang, yeah, the, um, your aerodynamics here are a little off. If the wind is going uh, south-southwest, then, uh, then it should be uh, divided by two, not two and a half here. Are you correcting Prince Mu or Liangya? Liangya. That is not correct. No, there are there are no flaws. She she does not make mistakes. No, you can correct Prince Mu though. In that case, Prince Mu, you are not a disappointment. All you need is a little help. Right here, two, not two point five. Oh, I'm not really good at decimals. They're kind of intimidating. That's all right. That's all right. I don't do decimals very often either. I tend to count on my fingers, but... Me too! I don't know why we can't just keep counting on our sick fingers all the time. From the sea? Let me show you a trick. In Uhanahi, we count not with just our fingers, but with the digits on our fingers. That way you can get all the way up to 12 on just one hand. Wow. You're from Uhanahi? I wouldn't go to Uhanahi. I like the beach. I would like to go to the beach sometime. The dream shield's up, and now we can't go out. You know, you know, dream shield, in or out, and the emperor said, and he, and he just starts to kind of go off, you know? Like, there was a moment where he was, like, on the same page as you when you were affirming him, but now he's thinking about the beach and, like, going to the beach. And he's just sort of, like, going off and, like, thinking about it and talking about it. Um, and, like, as he sort of goes off, Liaya leans and says, uh, Manaya, it's... Just let him keep talking. He'll tire himself out. Manaya sighs, squeezes his hand, and lets go. He's a sweet boy. Uh, I, ju I just don't know if he's really fit for something as rigorous as the exam. I think he'd be really good as like a painter or something. Uh, but his mom slash parent, Consort Moo, well, they're a little... Uh, and Liaya stops talking as Dewey and Manaya, you hear footsteps approach uh, and a voice go, Renny, Renny dear, I got you your favorite snacks and your mother's favorite snacks. Uh, and bustling into frame is a fire Ganassi person uh, with this like long flaming red hair and a smattering of golden freckles across their front forearms. Uh, and they're like uh, holding like this big jar that they've covered up in like a piece of parchment that they're like sort of like wadding, uh, like, like scooching forward with. And they stop short uh, when they see the newcomers. Oh. Oh my! Oh, uh, hello there. Uh, Liang, yeah. Uh, who might these uh, new new newcomers t t to our, our our table be? Oh, uh, uh Consort Mu. This is Cardu Quirk, and this is Manaya Wairua. They're friends of Oka's. Aha! Uh -huh. uh huh. Uh, well, it's it's great to meet you. This is, of course, my son, Renny. Oh, Ren. Um. Uh huh. Uh, and Consort Mu like, Mu, like, sits down and places the big jar of unknown snacks, like, on, onto the table. Uh, well, uh, thanks for keeping my son company. 
gods know he needs some. I'm always telling Renny, get out there, make some friends, but it's hard for him to come across. Hard for myself as well here in the palace, but um, ah, we make do with what fate gives us. Uh, you find people wherever you like to hang out, so um, it's a good thing. I mean, of course we would run into you here, uh, like minds. Ah, yes, yes, the library. Uh, that famous last refuge for introverts <laughs> and intellectuals alike. Glad to see that I am in such uh, same-minded uh, 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 company. And they sort of like run like a nervous hand through their flaming red hair. And you're not sure if they're just like nervous about something or if there's just like a generally anxious person. Uh, maybe a combination of both. They seem to like be like in like a mild state of shock at like being encounter, like encountering a new situation in familiar territory. Um, as they turn to like their um, their son, they go, all right, well, uh, Renny, I, I got you your favorite snacks. Uh, here, and all of you can partake as well. And as they like start to like take like the tarp off of the jar, we're going to cut to Oka. At long last. Oka. We find you this night. The same night as Dewey and I are meeting the fifth spouse. The same night that V is meeting the, the second wife. We find you outside of Toya's room. I think in the eighth... Uh, sorry, in the fifth... Sorry, the excuse me. In the fourth wife's courtyard. Your mother's courtyard. So why don't you paint us a picture of what you're up to? Um... Oka has taken to having horribly awkward family dinners in which Toya doesn't look at them at all. Uh, and Lianya, or, uh, Sambaya cries at least one time. Uh, and they maybe cry in the spice cabinet like every night. Um, so they're just, they're done with one of those. Um, they have been like helping their mother into bed, you know, um, and talking with Sambaya. Uh, and if Lianga, I think, I assume Lianga is in the library right now, so Lianga is not there. So they talk with Sambaya for a little while, and then they wait in the hallway, because Sambaya said that a masked figure came in through the window at the end of the hall, came down the hallway, and went into Toya's room. So Oka has just been, I think they're like leaned up against that windowsill, but on the inside. So if you looked in, you wouldn't be able to see them unless you got your entire head in. They're just leaned up against that wall, like rolling a cigarette and just waiting like they have been waiting for a few hours every night. You wait there rolling a cigarette and you strike gold on the eighth night. You hear branches tapping against the window as someone climbs the tree right like right outside this window and like starts shifting their weight around on the branches and then you just hear like the window like creak open uh, like outward uh, and someone starts to crawl through the windowsill and at this point it's like quite late right it's quite late like maybe 10 or 11 p.m uh and a figure drops silently onto the ground without having noticed you yet because you're standing in the corner behind them the prince of knives hooded leather armor mask like a like chinese opera singer uh with this like belt strapped to their waist and like two like a knife like in a hilt at their belt they drop like a cat silently and they start to scream i think oka waits for them to get like one step in and then in just like one like just one quick motion they step behind wrap their like arm around the Prince of Knives' chest and just tip them both out the window. Like just backwards and out. Both of them holding on to the Prince of Knives. 
Okay, I think you just do it. Uh, the Prince of Life goes, oh, silent as they came. You tip out the window and you start to tumble through the air. How are you trying to land? On them. Okay, make an acrobatics check. I'll use a point of inspiration this time. 22. Yeah, you, you land with a thud on them. They break your fall. They're gonna take some falling damage. <laughs> what the? And they like try to flip around and like attack you because I think they assume that it's like an assailant trying to get them, right? And in a flash, you see them like reach for their dagger and they start to pull it out. Uh, but you, you've got them pinned on the ground. Yeah, Oga steps on their wrist, you know, with one foot. Hey, been a minute. What are you doing? In my old house. Uh, okay, the Prince of Lives has a mask on, but you swear you see the eyes widen <laughs> uh, in shock and terror as the Prince of Lives freezes. Uh, Oka. Uh, hey, it's been a while. I guess you got past Queen Mua and the Emperor. If you were anything of a good spy, you would have known exactly what have happened. I have been here all week, yeah. Yeah, it's funny we keep ending up like this. Uh, I was just, uh, I You was... know what's really funny? Sambaya. I came to her sword demonstration. I'm sure you heard about that. That sword that she got, the big one, double-hander, she said to me that somebody walking into Toya's room from the window gave it to her as a bribe. And, you know, between family, we don't really keep secrets. Did you give my sister a sword? Answer correctly. Or I'll step on your face. Oka? Oka, listen. Please. Just listen, okay? Yes, I gave Sambaya a sword, all right? I just, I didn't want anyone else to know about anything they didn't have to know about. When you said that you were, and Oka like kind of gets down and like grabs the front of their armor and pulls them up a little. When you said that you were in love with my sister, I thought this was like a cute, a cute, a cute schoolyard crush from like afar. It is. Well, I mean, not from afar, but I promise my intentions with your sister are nothing but pure. Insight check? Okay, roll insight. 15. Define pure for me as Oka. Uh, non-malicious. Then that is true. That, and only that, is true, maybe? I would never hurt Toya. I, 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 I love her. Fine. Fine. But if you fuck it up, we don't have to talk about it. Because you won't. Right? Of course not. I would, I would never do anything to fuck your, uh, fuck up, uh, fuck, fuck it up. Fuck up what I have with your sister. All right, I'm going to do this just once. Uh, and Oka takes the dagger out of the Prince of Knives' uh, hand and just... Just one quick stab. Wait, you don't know what that... Uh, roll a D D100. 48? Okay. Uh, you take the dagger out of the Prince of Knives' hands, and when you, stab, when you start stabbing it down, the blade, which was silver, turns to fire. And, and like, stabs inside the Prince of Knives' chest, and they go, oh, not that one. Uh, <laughs> okay, at least it wasn't the serrated one. Uh, as you, like, pull it out, uh, and the flames, like, sort of snuff out. Okay, okay, ow, ow, are we even? All right, yep, we're even. Uh, and Oka casts uh, Healing Hands uh, on the Prince of Knives. They, like, slap where they had just um, stabbed them. Good. Now we're going to go to Queen Ma. Good? Let's go. What? Uh, but I... 
Okay, okay, fine, fine. I'll take you to the queen, but Oka, are you sure? You escaped her already. Are you sure you want to walk into the lion's den? What lion's den? I am the lion. I don't know exactly what Queen Mua has up her sleeve. The woman has as many secrets as she does scales, but... Just tread carefully, okay, Oka? I'll take you there, but... Guard your heart. Why are you working for her? Pays the bills. I get to be in the palace. You should seek employment elsewhere, I think. Just generally. <laughs> if she found out about this... I know, I know. she have my head. I'll think about it, okay? Fine, I'll take you to the queen. Just, like I said, just be careful, Oka, okay? It would break Toya's heart if you... Never mind. I don't know if it would break her heart as much as you think it would. No, no, I know her. She's been torn up this week. Uh, we, we don't have to talk about it. Uh, let me just, uh, let me take you where we need to go. Uh, and you see, like, the, the Prince of Knights is actually suddenly, like, they're tone changes in the middle of their sentence and they start to like try to like usher you out while still like touching the middle of their chest and i think based on your passive perception you see some movement in the window of toya's room uh and you see like the window crack open uh and you sort of like see toya like stick her head out and like look around and your sister is in like lingerie she's like looking around like and she's like whispering out loud a name so why don't you make a perception check 18 toya sort of going sava Sava, where are you? Sava? <sighs> Toya looks down and sees you with the Prince of Knives. And she lets out a noise only bats can hear and <gasps> very small dogs. And she closes the window and like, like her shadow disappears from the frame. Uh, the Prince of Knives slash Sava goes, <sighs> Okay, uh, we don't have to talk about that. Uh, Queen Moors, right, follow me. I think the one stab was fine. I just really needed to get that out of my system. I'm sorry about it. Yep. No, uh, you don't have to apologize. I understand. <clears throat> Let's go. And I think we're going to cut to the Prince of Knives leading you to Queen Mua's quarters, the courtyard of the first wife. You arrive under cover of darkness. Sava shows you like back routes in. Right, like scaling like a weakness of the wall here, like going through a tunnel there, right, like shuffling through the bushes here. Like this is how you figure Sava moves through the first wife's courtyard undetected until you reach her private chambers. Similar to the eighth wife's private chambers, right? Like each wife or spouse has their own little like nook, their own little special like uh, inner chambers. Sava stops right outside like the low wall uh, leading in to the first wife's like private courtyard, like just for her. And Sava pauses and says, this is as far as I can take you. She's probably getting ready for bed right now. What, no introduction? Uh, I, again, if she knew I brought you here of my own volition without my life on the line, she would have my head. We could put your life on the line. I don't really mind that. Oka, please, please. Fine. Just get out of here. Okay. Hey, be careful. All right? You're a lion, but that woman is... is some sort of dragon or something. I'm well acquainted. Sava. Don't... Okay, whatever. Bye. Be careful. And the Prince of Knives just disappears back the way they came. 
And you're now alone in this courtyard, uh, with like little moths fluttering around you, the cold chill of the night folding in around you like a blanket. What do you do? I push open the doors. Okay. You push open the doors and you stride like directly in to like Queen Wu's private chambers. And the first area you enter is like a, a private like antechamber, like a foyer almost, that has like another set of doors like leading in. And there are two guards in the foyer uh, who immediately like straighten to attention as you push the doors open. Evening. I have a meeting. Tea, I think. The first wife doesn't take any meetings after 10. Special circumstance. Or are you going to tell her that? I cannot let you through. I know who you are. We all know who you are. Of course you do. I'm not asking you to let me through. I'm asking you to tell the queen that I've arrived for our meeting. And the answer is no. Guards! And the voice of Queen Moor rings through the antechamber through the closed door, clear as a bell, tapped on a religious ceremony. Let them through. And the two guards look at each other through their plate armor, look back at you, like holding their halberds, and then they muscle the door open silently. See? What did I tell you? I'm expected. You walk into Queen Moa's private chambers. Uh, the guards close the main door, but they keep the antechamber door open. So they're still there and they can hear what's going on, I think. Um, watching carefully. They're not going to close the door alone on you with their queen. It's a vast uh, room with various other rooms branching off of it, similar to the guest chambers, but like 10 times more opulent and elaborate. There's like a huge bed in the back, like a massive like um, like tea chamber area, like a little tea nook. Uh, there's like a balcony that would be beautiful during the summer um, and is magically enchanted to also stay warm in the winter and to provide like a breathtaking view of like the private gardens outside, right? Maybe like um, a quarter of a mile large are these private gardens just for Queen Moa. Um, and you can sort of see like fish swimming in silver waters, just like maybe like a couple dozen feet out to your left past the balcony area. Queen Moa is taking off her makeup. She's sitting in front of a mirror uh, in like a little powder corner. Uh, and she's surprisingly looking like surprisingly vulnerable, right? Like she's in like not these like huge like robes, like gilded up and down with these like big neck flares. It's just sort of like night robes, right? Like, they're still beautiful, of course, and silken and silver, but they're almost plain in comparison to, like, the ostentatious peacock colors of her son, Prince Mo. Queen Mo Guilin is a red dragonborn woman uh, with a flat human-like face and these scales that go up her neck and sort of, like, riddle around, like, her jaw and her forehead. And she has these beautiful crests, almost like a lizard's crest, like, fanning out from her neck uh, and all the way, like, to toward the back of her skull. Uh, and you see, like, her favorite steel fan is sort of, like, closed up and, like, on, on the powder desk next to her. And she's, like, in the middle of, like, sort of, like, drawing, like, a makeup wipe over her face. And you can sort of see her look at you through the mirror. You know what I mean? As you, like, step in through, through the threshold. Ah, McCoy. Welcome home. Every word of her coming out of her mouth drips with sarcasm. Oka meets it, I think. Even as the chi as a child, they were so she's so bitter, and Oka just kind of in in tandem lets it out. <laughs> I really should have you to thank for the homecoming present. I wouldn't be here without you. You're welcome, 
though you've never been much in terms of a grateful brat. Maybe because you never even gave me anything to be grateful for. Hmm. A good parent would spend time with their stepchildren. A better stepchild would deserve it. I don't pretend to have any interest in my familial relationship with you. At least do me the same courtesy. <laughs> what did I ever do to you, huh? The second I can remember meeting you for the first time as a child, you looked at me the same way you're looking at me now. All disdain. All vicious mockery. <laughs> what did I ever do to deserve that? What did you ever do to deserve that? Huh. You were born. Is that my problem? Hmm? You should have died eight years ago. In that grove. The beast should have killed you. Finished the job. Now look at you. Washed up. Covered in scars. You don't even look like a prince. No. You don't even look like some mud-addled peasant, much less a member of the royal order. And you don't speak like one. Speak like one? <laughs> I don't speak like one. And yet I am the first wife, the queen. And what are you? Nothing. Nothing at all, but a shame and a disgrace. So what? So the fuck what? I'm nothing. I'm shame and a disgrace. Why even bother bring me back here to try to kill me, huh? If I'm nothing, then why do you act like it's your life's mission to destroy me? I'm already destroyed. Can't you just fucking leave me alone? Queen Moore's eyes narrow, and she like lowers the makeup wipe from her face and like puts it on the table. And still maintaining eye contact with you through the mirror, she says, with a smile now glimmering on her mouth, you have always been a fool. Makoya Hien. You call it, what, coincidence? That a divine beast was just simply there in the sacred grove? Accidentally mauled you? Almost gored you to death? You think that was mere happenstance? No, Makoya. There have always been forces greater and more powerful than you, shaping everything you have ever meant to be. Eight years ago, I intercepted a missive to the Emperor from some wannabe scientist chasm wretch about aberrations in the fabric of the weave. How every few years magic spikes, drives emissaries wild. <laughs> well, if she wasn't going to disown you, then I'd guide her hand. I had my guards scour the sacred grove for such aberrations, and... What would you have it? We found one in the form of a corrupted Celian. It took a lot of work. It cost the lives of some of my best monster hunters, wrangling that magnificent beast into a cage, and then letting it loose when the time was right, when you and your stupid sisters were playing hooky in the grove. Shut up. You're lying. You were supposed to die. All of you, you and your siblings, death down the vein. But you didn't, Akoya. You killed it instead, which honestly was the second best outcome. If the Tilian couldn't destroy you, then your own dumb arrogance would. 
The slaying of a celestial beast, as you and I both know, is a capital offense, Makoya. But your mother father, your handsome, intelligent, foolish, foolish mother father couldn't bear the thought of their second-born brat taken to the chopping block. I was close. Makoya, I was so close to convincing them that your head needed to roll, but then your bitch of a mother got in the way. Shut up, I will kill you where you stand. She batted her eyelids and she begged and pleaded and sobbed and wept at the feet of your mother father and got them to spare you, which is how we arrived at exile. If not murder, if not execution, then exile would be the third best outcome. Everyone in the kingdom thinks you escaped your execution, Makoya, but you didn't. Your mother-father spared you. That night, when Dream Hunter was supposed to separate your dull head from the rest of your equally dull body, the Emperor sheathed her blade and bade you to flee instead and to never come back. And what did you do? You came back. So leave, Makoya. Leave now. I know you could kill me if you wanted to. Don't you think I heard about the scuffle in the throne room, the bolt of divine lightning shooting out of your unworthy body? Don't you know? I know. I don't know, and frankly, I don't quite care what kind of atrocity you committed to acquire that power, but I am no fool. Makoya Hien, I am many things. Makoya, the first wife, the queen, a hard-hearted, stone-cold bitch, but I am not a fool. You could kill me. You could kill the guards in this chamber and kill me and not lose a droplet of sweat or blood yourself and I would die. But so would you. Because killing me, no, even threatening me as you just did, signs your own death warrant, Makoya. I know you don't care if you die because you and I both know your life is worth nothing. But your mother? <sighs> Your mother? If you are executed at long last by the loving hand of your own mother-father, then you would just break your poor mother's heart, and isn't she so close to dying already? From heartbreak? And what would your poor little siblings do without you? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, my just- fucking calling edge time. Okay, yep, yep, go ahead. So describe to me what you do. It's just in the middle of that sentence that Oka can finally take it absolutely no longer. Um, and just this absolute, just this complete ricochet of like, it's, it's all lightning and blood and like the blade just comes like, Oka grabs it and the lightning just like is roiling up off the top. Uh, and they point it right at her. If you keep speaking, I will make you feel the pain that you have put me through. Every single piece, I will make you feel it. Do it. Do it, Makoya. For once in your life, do something and kill me. I'm gonna make a roll. I'm just gonna make my own goddamn roll. It's a natural 20. What? <laughs> it's a natural 20. That's like the fifth natural 20 we've rolled this session. That's like the fourth natural 20 I've rolled this session. What does that mean? What does your natural 20 mean, Oka? No. No. Because that's your trap, isn't it? Why else would you have told me all of that? You think I'm a fool? You think I'm nothing? 
fuck you. I am more powerful than you will ever be in your entire life. I have loved more and more deeply than you will ever know in your entire life. And you're afraid of me. And I will let you die alone and afraid of me because you will not kill me. Queen Moore, I will live to fucking spite you. Ugh, you dull, pathetic little wretch. You take after your mother. Fine, then leave. If you're not going to finish the job, then leave. Leave my quarters, leave the palace, leave Dokao, leave too long for good and never come back. Why would I ever do anything you ever tell me? <laughs> yes, I am a wretch. I'm a horrible little prince because I don't fucking listen to you or anyone. No, this is my home. You will pry it from my cold dead hands. <laughs> How angry are you? Uh-oh. Angry? Like on a scale of this is the angriest I've ever felt in my life to, ah, I stubbed my toe. How angry are you? I'm the angriest I've ever been in my life. Okay. Vinash, feeding off of your rage, sparks off of your body on the final word of your sentence. And like a... I think you can't control it at this point. A bolt of red lightning shoots off of your shoulder and like smashes against like the ceiling, right? And like like plasma bolts, like more of it starts like like shooting off of you. Uh, and I think you're like struggling to contain it at this point. Like maybe like little bits of static electricity have been boiling off of you toward the beginning of that sentence. And when you finish it, sort of like comes off in a cavalcade, right? The two guards rush in. Queen Mo like pushes her chair back and looks at you like startled, but then her face becomes like, like savagely victorious, right? For like a split second, she gets up and she says, huh, oh, what is this? Your words say one thing, but it appears that this little magic trick you've gotten your dirty, grubby little hands all over is uncontrolled. <laughs> I'm fine, but stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> Fuck you. Mate. You feel Vinash's voice rising up in your soul. Hate. Her. We hate her. We hate, we, 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 we hate her. We, we, no, no, that's what she, no. Attack yes. her. Kill her. Uh, fuck you. Uh, and Oka spreads their wings uh, and flies up and out of the hole that they made in the ceiling. Okay. Oka, you smash through the ceiling just as the guards arrive and like swing their swords at you because clearly what's happening with you is super unstable and they're trying to take you down to protect the queen. Uh, but you smash through the ceiling, like beams of wood raining down like a massive cloud of dust just all the way into Queen Mo's private chambers. And as you ricochet out, like Vinash's voice growling in your head, you also hear Queen Mo's voice laughing cackling like the bat out of hell that she is after you. She's going, <laughs> that's right, flee, run away, Makoya, run. For all your big talk, you're nothing but a scared little child that I will crush under my thumb when the time is right. All right, one lightning bolt just through the hole that I made just for fun, one big one. Okay, roll a d20. Add anything to it? Nope, a nine. Okay, noted. 
uh, a lightning bolt comes off of your body and zaps into the hole, like, as you leave, and you just swirl through the air. V. We are, I think, getting several games deep into your gambling spree against Queen Guoru Chong. So tell me, what is the skill you're going to be relying on for the rest of the night? And we'll just continue to do opposed checks to see who has to diverge, di excuse me, divulge truths first. Yeah, so um, this final round, I think V is going to rely a little less on magic and more uh, her handiwork where uh, she's going to, when putting in tiles, it's supposed to be just like one tile at a time. You take a tile, you leave a tile, so on and so forth. So she's going to be actually palming several tiles that she wants to get rid of and maybe like trying to palm a couple of tiles back, but making it look like she's just taking one. You always see just one as she's coming away and she's just going back and forth trying to switch her tiles around as quickly as possible. Okay, so sleight of hand, it seems. Yes. Oh boy, what'd you get? Um, a nat one, baby. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I think what this means is she goads you into talking at length with her. So instead of like, I share a secret if I win, and then you share a secret if you win, it's sort of like she's baited you into a conversation just about secrets while playing. Because I think like she's noticing that you're like focusing on like the sleight of hand thing. So maybe she's, she can like catch you a little off guard. So Queen Guo, as the two of you play against each other and you're like, you know, like swapping and discarding and like picking out, picking up new tiles, etc., says to you, <laughs> you claim... The Paragons are back, and because, of course, you are beholden to the rules of this zone of truth here, you, at the very least, believe that what you're saying is true. So tell me, my good friend, as we play this game, uh, how do you know that the Paragons, this children's tale, have returned? Well, my friend, today's your lucky day, because like you, I would have been highly skeptical of such a claim that the Paragons are back. I don't even believe in the gods to begin with when I, uh, just a few months ago. But yet, yet unbelievably to at least myself and perhaps to you in a moment when I tell you, you may be sitting in the room and when I say maybe, I'm saying a very high likely chance that I, Valley, am a paragon. You cannot tell a direct lie, so can you sell to me as a GM how you're selling Valley as something that could feasibly come out of your mouth? Uh, all right, let's just retcon to saying just straight up V. Okay. That I, V, like she's trying to Valley, that's actually how she'd probably do it. it was, it's V, but she tried, and it came, mm -hmm. out as, it came out as Valley by pure coincidence. My, 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 V. A paragon in my own home. Well, that is a marvel, isn't it? Why, tell me, what kinds of powers do you have as a paragon? Oh, quite unbelievable powers. I mean, I've got these two lovers inside of me, Scald and Nectus, and they're, woof, <sighs> they're, they really, they're quite a pair. The Let gods you, aren't you... gone? What do you mean, Scott and Nectus are inside you? Don't you know what a paragon is? Come on, this is like, from what, I thought you all like were learned people here. I thought, anyway. Don't insult uh, my intelligence any further, V. I'm a generous woman, but if you make one more 
assumption about the boundaries of my knowledge, I will crush your head like a grape. Fair enough, if that's your idea of a good time um, or a bad time. Well, we can avoid that. Interesting. So tell me, how did you come to have Scott and Nectus inside you? Is that where the gods went? They didn't disappear, but they fled into the souls of mortals. It works a bit. um, We're more like the echoes. I don't know exactly where they've gone, but we've got like these echoes still in the dock and we're running around. We're trying to catch them, convincing them to like jump into us. You should see what happens when you put the wrong god in the wrong paragon. It is not pretty. Believe me, I've seen it. Um... And as it relates to me, he's <laughs> like on a roll now, just like playing and talking and saying, if it comes down to me, uh, I, how did I get them? I had the worst week of my life, which apparently lasted months. But uh, at the end of it, I somehow, after getting my heart literally ripped out of my chest, uh, I convinced these echoes of Scald and Nectus to... Find a home. I mean, look at me. I'm pretty. I'm a nice home. I'm like a cozy cottage situation. I and now you're here to stop the assassination of our emperor, our illustrious one and only imperial leader, who is also a paragon. I mean, yes. Uh, Let me guess, Mengshen Jirdi. It's a pretty good guess. I mean. Congratulations, you win prize. Yes, you win. And this entire time, Queen Guo's like wolf-like smile has just been growing wider and wider as you've sort of been like, you're back against the ropes as she's sort of been like pummeling you with questions that you can't seem to wiggle out of, right? I think that's what that nat one means. Um, and she says, well, 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 well. I am nothing if not a loyalist. To our emperor, you are very lucky, V, that you decided to talk to me and not some of the other spouses who might be conspiring with their own agendas. Oh, would you uh, happen to have any by name that uh, maybe we should check out? Well, 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 you win this round, V, and you may ask me whatever your heart desires. Make either a sleight of hand uh, or a performance check or persuasion. Let's keep going with the sleight of hand. Okay. 25. That is a success. Motivated by this direct promise of, like, I'll tell you what you need to hear, I think you win. You beat her out. Like, your, your entire sleight of hand, handing that, like, that game pays off. And you whoosh, acquire Mahjong before she can lay out her final tile. <laughs> well, you look at that. Well, you did it. Tell me, V. What do you want to know? Well, you've already told me that you would do anything in your power to protect the Emperor. You would, therefore, be very willing, I'm sure, to tell me who you think would have both the means and the motivation to try to assassinate the Emperor. There is a long, poignant pause as you sort of see the cogs in Queen Guo's head working, as she's like thinking very hard, her her arms crossed over her broad chest, staring into the green felt of the mahjong table. And then she says, 
Suspicious things are afoot in the palace. They have been for quite some time. But suspicious things are always afoot in the palace. There are minor nobles, petty officials, scheming for power in every corner of this royal garden that we call home. Everyone has their own means, their own methods, but to slay the emperor, that would take power, that would take magic beyond even my own comprehension, and perhaps even yours, V, though you are a paragon. Another pause. She may have reason, but I cannot fathom how they would have means. There are two odd ducks in our family tree. I assume you're familiar with one of them. The fourth wife, Arden Hien, mother to Makwea Hien. You know the story? I've been getting to know it more and more as I've been here in your lovely palace. She is the daughter not of a scholar, not of a noble, not of a royal or an efficient, but the daughter of Hien Hang, a widowed florist in Dokao. Not a drop of noble blood in her. Tell me, how do you think she came to be the fourth wife of the emperor? Her amazing sense of humor? There's like a long pause that makes you feel really awkward, and then uh, the queen throws her head back and laughs. Like, ha 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 ha! <laughs> no. The Emperor met her by chance. Hien Hong, Arden's father, furnished the flowers for the Emperor's coronation. A massive honor. Arden attended this coronation to help with the flowers, and Emperor Zhen, it is said, don't speak a word of this outside of this chamber, V, unless you want the full wrath of Queen Moa upon you. It is said that Emperor Zhen fell in love with Arden at first sight. <laughs> Though, of course, love at first sight is almost always motivated by exterior beauty, I like to think, the romantic in me likes to conjecture that the Emperor grew to see the kindness, the intelligence, the thoughtfulness of Arden underneath. I do rather think that Arden softened Emperor Zhen in a way that I have personally never been able to see, despite having intimate relations with the Emperor myself. And so, the Emperor made Arden their fourth wife. I don't know if Arden ever wanted this, necessarily, but I assume she did it for her father, so that Hong would be taken care of for the rest of his life. Now, of course, he lives on the outskirts of Dokao, tending to some little flower garden boarding home by his lonesome. Arden is the first black sheep spouse of the entire lineage. You want to know the other? Consort Mu Piao, the fifth spouse. You want to know why? I'm riveted. Moo, 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 moo. As a consort in the middle of the pecking order... Mu is blessed with imperial power, I would say, but cursed with, uh, mediocrity. And not by themselves, necessarily. They're quite intellectually agile. They put on this nervous, anxious front. But I know there's a schemer underneath. I haven't seen it with my own two eyes, but I don't believe anyone could be such a bumbling fool on purpose, except, perhaps, their son. 
the half-Ganasi boy, Prince Mu Ren. You see, Mu Piao's son Ren is neither strong nor weak necessarily. He's neither smart nor particularly dull. He's just sort of there. So Piao and everyone else knows that Ren's life will always be good, great even, but not the best. In fact, the only reason our illustrious emperor even married Piao in the first place is for political gain. Everyone in the palace knows that Piao's uncle was one of Emperor Zhu's husbands, and Piao's direct family line are all wealthy merchants. Therefore, the dowager queen, Emperor Zhen's mother, Xiong Du, sought to solidify her daughter's economic power, and so arranged the marriage between Zhen and Piao. Are you keeping up? Oh, I'm taking all the... right here, right in the, the land of... V brain never forgets. I've always seen the ambition glimmering in the depths of Piao's eyes, but they've never had the means. They've never been strong enough. They've never been magically adept enough. They've never even been as good as gambling enough to gamble their way to the top. So if I had to cast suspicion on one spouse in particular, I would say the fifth spouse. The most forgettable one. The one that's always left out of discussions. Well, you know what they say about a good mystery. It's always the one you least expect. No, V. It's always the one you most middle suspect. And I think, I think we're going to cut. We're going to cut to the Royal Library upon that. And Consort Mu Piao whisks uh, the, the cover off of the jar of snacks, which is revealed to be a bunch of chilled olives. Okay, Ren. Here's your favorite snacks. Uh, would any of you like some olives as well? Is Dewey also frozen in place? Yes, they're the most, they're the food stuff that most resembles eyes. And I kind of expected eyes to be in the jar, but this is the closest thing, and it's horrifying. Uh, <clears throat> with all due respect, your highness. Your Highness? Is that... Uh, I have to decline. Olives aren't quite my thing. Oh. More for you than I suppose. Oh, uh, well, that's all right. Uh, they're packed with nutri nutrients and, and, and other delicious uh, uh, aspects, but uh, they're, they're not for everyone. Well, more for you than Rennie. Oh, thanks. Uh, and... Ren, the sun, starts, like, reaching into the jar and eating the olives. Uh, and Consort Mu, like, turns to the rest of you and smiles. Uh, with, like, a toothy grin. As they also reach into the jar of olives. Uh, they, they take, they take one out of the jar and they go, oh, I'm very particular about how I eat these, actually. Uh, where? Ah, yes. She pulls out a toothpick. Spears it through the olive. Uh, they reach down to their side and they pull out a martini glass. Uh, and they place the olive on top of the glass, uh, which you notice the glass is chilled, and you're not exactly sure where they stored it, but they wait for the olive to chill up with the glass, and when it's up to temperature, they pick the olive back up and they eat it. As soon as it hits their mouth, Dewey, you feel a boot on your foot as Manaya is, like, shaking. On Manaya stomping on Dewey's foot. We cut to Oka flying through the air. <laughs> Oka. You're like a 
bird with a torn wing as you just like you like ricochet through the air then maybe you catch yourself as like some lightning still sparking off your body and you flap your wings once twice to stabilize yourself where are you headed oka is like the lightning rod of their personal storm right now just above the palace you know like just like flying out of control uh just back and like over this final part because i imagine the like the first spouse's um courtyard is furthest like almost almost to where like the emperor's quarters would be so they like fly over that like complex just like sparking off themselves and it's like they're like grabbing at their own clothes as they just like go like head over heels and they there's like one beat and they like are just like st- they're like stop it stop I said stop Vinash is screaming back at you inside your soul going hate kill hate kill it's just sort of like verbalizing that side of yourself right that does feel that and I think because of that you're kind of out of control you're like whirling through the air and I don't think you're even noticing where you're going but you're going like maybe like uh, dozens of miles a minute like I don't know like you're going real fast like over like the, just tumbling to and fro yeah I mean I think they just use all of their like up really far and you like if you get up higher you can go over land faster I guess technically so they're like really far up in the air and the lightning just keeps going like crack 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 like down like they're just making their own thunderstorm okay I think you don't know how long you've been whirling through the air for and you're not even sure where you are it's dark and the world around you is a blur of wind and sky and earth and tree like you, you don't know where you are uh you've been flying for it could be one minute it could be ten minutes when why are you shaking that dice when something hits you something hard and sharp uh and long spears through your left wing and just tears a hole through it right and like feathers like explode in a puff and you see your own like red blood just want to spurt out into 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 the air around you and maybe like it hurts Right, and I need you to take uh, 11 points of piercing damage as you start to plummet to the ground and you're losing stability because your wing is injured. Uh-huh. Um, that wasn't from a... Was that from a guard tower? Um, make a perception check as you whirl through the air, I think. Unnatural 20? You are not in the palace anymore. You have flown out of the palace like past the guard towers. Maybe like you stabilize yourself for half a second and you see in the distance, like a guard tower rising, maybe like a a quarter of a mile away, if not farther away from the palace. You're tumbling through a stretch of wood that uh, now it's sinking into your body, like ice cold tendrils wrapping around your heart. This is the sacred grove, a part of the silent grove. Uh, that is closest to the palace, the slumbering palace, and where you were speared through the chest by the Telian eight years ago. You crashed through bamboo stalks, right? The attacks seem to have come from underneath you. Uh, maybe half a, uh, maybe two dozen feet away. You're not sure. With a 20, maybe like two dozen feet away underneath you. And you seem to be crashing to the ground close to where the attack might have come from. What do you do? Uh, brace for impact the best I can. I think Oka's trying to do, like, damage control in the air, right? Like, they, like, have, like, the, like, they're trying to, like, spread the wing to to land. They have to, like, spread out so they can kind of, like, float down gently. Um, but the wing that got speared through, their wings used to be incorporeal, but now that they are, like, 
tangible. I don't think they've ever been hurt in this way before. And it's making it really, really hard to fly. Uh, and like, insofar as I think like they have to keep like pulling their wing in because it hurts and they're like trying to get it off and away and they can't just fly with one wing. And I think they just like literally like spiral into the ground, trying their best to catch themselves. Yeah, you spiral toward the ground and I think you hit it. Uh, but I'm not gonna make you take bludgeoning damage from hitting the ground because you still have a, a working wing that like sort of breaks your fall. Maybe like you skid through the mud and like you crash through like a copse of bamboo, like stalks and like you, we see like a line drag through the ground from where you crash landed and then skidded. And oh, like you hit the bamboo and you're like, like this oriented for maybe like half a second. And I need you to roll initiative immediately. 22. Okay, they go first. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, they're gonna attack. Who's gonna attack? Shooting out of the darkness uh, from behind you, so where your back is sort of up against the bamboo grove, uh, is another one of these bolt things. Uh, maybe a crossbow bolt is like the closest in terms of like how heavy it is. Like shoots through and spears your other wing with like anatomical precision. Like it hits you right in the joint, right? And you realize the other attack also hit you right in the joint that like basically like broke and like disabled your wing. Your other wing is now disabled as well. It just smashes through it, and you're going to have to take nine points of piercing damage this time. As the bolt whizzes through the darkness, also, this place is, this area is pitch black, okay? You can't see anything. There's no torchlight here. There are no stars. The sun is set. So I don't think you can see what even hit you. Uh, and now it's going to be your turn. Oka, like, just surprised, like, cry, like cries out in pain, you know? Uh, and, like, that wing also kind of, like, uh, like seizes in and like you know comes closer to them and almost like they're using it to like shield themselves like the wings like come in and around them uh and they scramble up they technically still have their blood weapon active and i think they maybe like it just like corporated back into their body but i think it just like rises out again and they like just like take like a wide swing around themselves to just like try to orientate themselves do you want to use your blood malic to like uh bonus action make flames come up so you can see Oh, that is so smart. Uh, I do technically get one of them automatically uh, when I use my my calling edge. So yes, uh, and I think like the the light like flicks off and immediately uh, looking for a heartbeat, like the sound like as Oka's own like heartbeat like starts to jump and radiate. Like they are also looking for the other for the other one, I guess. Okay, so make a perception check for free. You don't. This doesn't count as an action. Uh, I'm gonna use my other point of inspiration. I need to see this twelve. You feel a heartbeat, okay? You feel a single heartbeat, not two, which is maybe good. Uh, you feel a single heartbeat maybe 15 feet away from you, so kind of close, like in the direction of where you're facing. And you also see sort of in the diameter of your, where you're holding your blood weapon, a figure step into the dim light. You see your assailant. They're of middling height, maybe, around your height. Uh, and they seem to be wearing, like, a full-body cat suit or something. It's not super form-fitting. It just seems to be, like, covering their entire body. And they've got this, like, leather armor over it, uh, draped over it. So, like, every part of their skin is covered. There's no exposed skin. Uh, and the most notable, two notable things. One, they're wearing a mask, similar to the Prince of Knives, but it's a very different kind of mask. It is a mask smelted from pure bronze alloy. It's a very, like, human-like face on the mask. Uh, maybe startle for a second because you think that's their actual face, but no, it's just like a bronze, like, human-like, like, feature, right? Like, over their face. Uh, 
You also notice that in one hand, they're twirling a small object that you think is maybe a dagger at first, but as it comes into closer periphery, you notice it's a hammer. And floating around them, sort of almost like fanning out, almost like a halo around their head and behind their body, are metal spikes, right? Like steel spikes. They are not crossbow bolts, they're spikes. And if you, with your 14, 15 perception, I don't know you can tell exactly what they are yet. Oka's still super disor- like disoriented. Uh, they like take a few steps back, brandishing uh, culling edge. Uh, and I think their voice is still this like double layered snarl, you know, with Vinash still, still fucking up their day, right? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? What the fuck? What's wrong with you? I'm not a bird. Get fucked. They do not say anything. They're completely silent. They do not respond to you. They twirl the hammer and you see one of the uh, spikes drop out of the air floating behind them and they sm- they hit it with the blunt end of the hammer and they send it toward you. It slices through the air and because it's your turn, I think for flavor, you're able to dodge it. Yeah, I was gonna say that Culling Edge has a, a, a mechanic for that, yeah. Yep, do you, so tell me how you parry it. I think Oka just like, you know, like back into form and it just like, uh, Oh, 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 the blood, because uh, it's made, their weapon is made of blood, right? It like, it like almost reaches out to catch the the thing and like, and they like toss it aside with their entire arm. Like the blood is like an extension of their body and then it solidifies black into a blade. What? Throwing thorns now? Who are you? What is this? They advance on you. They don't answer you. They advance on you with like a single mind intent, which... In that moment, you know, is to kill you. Uh, and like another, like one of the spikes drops out of the air and they smash it at you again. Can I try to parry again? Yes. Uh, technically, I would roll. Let's see here. I would roll against your. Um, I can re- use my reaction to expend a die uh, to reduce the damage by that I roll on my uh, D8 plus my dex. Yeah, uh, if this is still your turn, I'm mostly doing this for flavor, so you can just parry it. Um, and just tell me how you do it. Great. Oka also just, I think, like, cuts this one in half, right? Uh, and the, like, fire in their blade, like, if this is, like, a steel rod, just kind of, like, melts as they slash through it. Uh, and they're starting to get mad. Fine. Fine. You want a fucking fight? You picked the wrong fucking day. Uh, and Oka will advance on them. Okay, how are you attacking? Viciously. Uh, and with the culling edge. Okay, make an attack roll. Unnatural 20. Uh, that hits, so roll damage. I believe that is 27 points of damage. Okay, what kind? Four points of fire, 10 points of radiant, and the rest in slashing. Okay, cool. Yeah, so tell me how, I think as you lunge forward with culling edge, um, they start retreating. Uh, as you're taking the offensive. Uh, And they are like parrying you in such an interesting way. They don't actually parry you, they just dodge. Um, They just sort of like duck and weave out of the way as you're slashing and slashing, right? But like, I like to think of damage as like several blows exchanged instead of just a single big gash and it does damage and they hit you back and it does damage. I think this is more dynamic. So you're like exchanging blows with them. They dodge, they duck and they weave, but like your culling edge like strikes true. It goes through their like defense, their fluid, almost like water-like defense to hit where? I think like first in the shoulder that they're uh, like swinging their hammer with. Mm. Okay. 
You bam, you hit that shoulder and you sort of like cut open like a gash, like along their armor and it like perforates the leather armor, right? Oh yeah, and you know that I get to use some shit when I do this, right? Uh, it's brand of castigation time. Uh, when I damage a creature, I can choose to sear my arcane brand into it. So I like, as like the blood goes, like the blood comes, do they bleed? Yes, and it's red. Okay. Uh, that is somewhat, uh, that, that, that's helpful. And Oka kind of like latches onto it, like the weave just kind of like around uh, the culling edge. Since it's made of their blood, it kind of like hooks them together. Okay, yeah. And like, you're now, you're now tethered to this person. So what does Brand of Castigation do? Is it the same thing you did to Kane? Yes. Uh, I will be able to intrinsically know where they are, uh, the direction that they are in. And when they deal damage to me, they will also take damage equal to my intelligence modifier, which is three. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so as your brand of castigation twirls their blood around and it attaches it to you, are you grabbing onto their blood or how's it connected to you? I think just for flavor, it is like, they're like holding onto it with their offhand, uh, this like kind of rope that they made as like the, the seal is kind of like forming in the wound. Okay, as you grab onto their blood, you hear whispers emanating from their blood. These dark kind of uh, mashed up gibbered whispers uh, that don't really speak any any sort of language I think you understand necessarily. It's just sort of like... Like their blood is almost like... um, Your acute senses as a blood hunter know that there's something deeply fucked up about this person. Okay, and I need you to make an arcana check. A nine. Feels a little bit like that piece of that empty monster, the face dealer that jumped into your soul. Okay, when you hold on to this blood, that's what rings familiar to you as these whispers start to like build up like around your ears. Now that you're pretty much on them, they whirl around and they reach into like a hidden compartment like inside their leather armor and they pull out a single golden spike. And they, this one looks different, real different from the others, okay? And they are gonna smash it, the blunt end of the spike with their hammer and drive it toward you. And I need you to make a deck save. Auto crit, I am not fucking touching that shit. And plus my dex, that's a, a uh, that altogether since it's a save, uh, 26. Okay, it doesn't work. Uh, so to describe to me how you dodge it. I mean, there's something going on here. Uh, and I think like the whispers, like they're holding on to the whispers and there's, uh, the whispers like startle them so much that they like drop the, the, the tether between them. Uh, and I think just in, in that moment of like alarm, like just enough time to kind of like just whip out of the way. Okay, yeah, you whip out of the way and this like golden spike like whizzes past your body. And I think like lodges into the trunk of a tree, right? And just sort of st- sticks there. And this person's gonna like pause and like you can't see anything through this like bronze mask, uh, but they're gonna look at you for like a, a quick beat and then they're gonna disengage from you and run after the, uh, after the spike. And I think they have enough movement to do that, but you get an attack of opportunity as they move out of melee range if you want. Oh yeah, it's super feral time. I think Oka, like, as 
like the, the dots are connecting, right? Like that, whatever that is, is important to them more so than attacking me, which is their only thing. And I think Oka like doesn't even like swipe with their sword, but just like tries to like go after this person and like grab them, right? And like hold on to them. Okay, so you're gonna try to grapple them? Okay, make a grapple check against either, uh, you have to make an athletics check and they can dex or athletics out of you. Oh, that's not very good. Uh, like a 10. That is not quite sufficient. Uh, as you lunge forward, like your, your, I think your arms grab air and poof, you like fall into the ground, almost like a failed rugby tackle as they run over uh, to the to the trunk uh, and they grab the spike with one hand and they wrench it out, right? Uh, and they're gonna like sort of like toss it from one hand to the other as they pick up their hammer again and they get ready to like throw it at you once more. But now it's your turn. Oh dear, oh dear, 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 dear. What is that thing? What is it? Is there like, do I have any inclination of like, what is happening here? Okay, uh, make a, make an investigation ooh, 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 check. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, can I use, I'll use my action for this. Use my grim psychometry, the, the knack for recalling the dark past of objects I'm touching or places I'm in to focus on this like blood connection with this person to try to get a read on them. Uh, like, like, the, the way that their like shadowy blood is like tasting in my mouth. Yes, okay, so I think that would be an arcana check with advantage. 21. Okay. This person is a person. They're not an emissary. Uh, they're not some sort of god. They're not a ghost or an undead like Rev. Uh, they're a person, like a living normal person, but part of their soul or some aspect of their being has been imbued with empty magic, for lack of a better word. The same kind of magic that animates these empty beasts, um, and presumably the same kind of magic that Dr. Uh, Ting, back back in the Court of Ravens, was experimenting with uh, in on, on his ship. Same kind of magic. And because it is taking your action, I'm also going to allow you to make an additional uh, investigation check on the spike to see, like, what the hell that thing is. 27. I rolled a natural 19. It is a chisel. It is a chisel? It is a chisel. Do you have a bonus action? I do have a bonus action. Take it. Oh, one prepared? Uh, no, I'm stressed. Can I, like, prepare to... a chisel? That's all I get with the 27? Okay. It's a chisel that has had something horrible done to it. And if it hits you, it's gonna be no good, very bad time for Oka. Great. I'm gonna fucking run. Okay. You disengage uh, and you run? Ooh, ooh, yeah. Uh, I think, like, a bolt of lightning, like, comes down between them. Uh, this, like, super strong bolt of lightning, right? Just, like, smashes down between them. And in that, like, bright flash of light, Oka is gone they can't fly so their wings are kind of like crashing into the bamboo around them right but they are like running like into the dark and i think they are not gonna snuff out their light because they need to see but they are running now what's your speed 35 okay uh as you turn and flee this massive bolt of lightning smashing down from the heavens i think uh, accompanied by a crack of huge thunder, like a massive crack of thunder, poof, and this like huge bolt of light and poof, slams down as you're basically calling on Vinash to save you, to get the hell out of there, uh, and poof, like a huge flash of light, like 
completely covers this entire scene as you turn and you book it and you run. And as you're huffing it, like through through the sacred grove, like tearing past bamboo, like like leaves slapping into you in the face, like maybe like your wings still kind of broken, like sort of like limply, like dragging up behind you. And you're like panting, panting, panting. You're like, holy fuck, like what is going on? By the light of your fire, you see that same figure drop down into your path. Maybe you screech to a screech to a halt. And I need you to make a second deck save as they toss this golden chisel into the air and they smash it with their hammer. Because as you know, empty beasts thrive in the dark. 21. Would you like to use inspiration? I will, just in case, based on how you said that. That was a five. 21. I'm so sorry, Oka. That is not sufficient. So I think what happens is this. It's like in bullet time, right? Uh, as there's like a clear ringing noise as the blunt end of this metal hammer hits the flat end of the chisel and the spike sort of whirls through the air toward you. Like maybe we see your double pupiled eyes like widen uh, as you're like trying to dodge out of the way. But the chisel spears you through the chest exactly where the Telian had gored you, pretty much in this exact spot eight years ago. And it rips out through your back. Uh, and we see from like a profile view, like Oka's blood shooting out the back as this chisel flies out. And I need you to tell me, Oka, what's the color of your soul? Uh, I didn't prepare this beforehand because I wasn't expecting to be asked that. Um, Gold, it's like gold. Okay, the chisel, which was already gold, seems to glow like an even brighter gold, right? And you see like a darker vein of gold just sort of lash up. Well, you don't see this, but the audience does. Uh, lash up the length of this chisel, sort of wrap around it. Uh, as what has effectively happened to you, Oka, as you stand there gasping for like a half second before darkness starts to close in around you, uh, is a piece of your soul has been ripped out of your body and lashed to this chisel. You're not dead yet. You're not dead yet, but you are incapacitated. Uh, as you hit the ground, completely flat. And you can sort of like feel your own blood pooling like against like the cotton of like your shirt and against your armor and everything's starting to feel very cold and very small. You can feel Vinash sort of sparking weakly inside you, trying to keep your blood, like your heart pumping, like trying to stop your heart from like stopping, like sending little like electromagnetic like pulses to your heart. But every pump, more blood comes out, right? And like the smell of your own golden blood starts to fill this grove. As you sort of see, as you're like slumped back there, you sort of see these like boots approach you slowly, right, of your assailant, your killer. And you sort of see this person hold this golden spike intertwined with a piece of your own soul around it, carefully in one hand like it were like a precious jewel. This person carefully tucks it away into their cloak and they squat down uh, and they pull out like one of the regular iron chisels like floating around them. They squat down real low in front of you and they speak for the first time. And their voice is distorted Similar to the Prince of Knives, there's clearly some sort of distortion going on, so you won't be able to parse their identity. But they say to you, Nice to meet you. I'm the Paragon Killer. And as they lift the spike to deal the killing blow, you hear a voice 
you have not heard in almost a year, the voice of a certain half-orc monster hunter shout from across the grove, Get the fuck away from Oka! Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Azura, Bradley, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.